Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of A Little More Good. Coming at ya. Bringing you all your goodness uh, yeah. with a couple of goodies this week. Very true, yeah. It always feels like um, there's a little extra energy and excitement, which like makes good sense when there's four of us yes. around the table. Extra energy is buzzing. Yeah, especially with these two dynamic human beings. This mother and daughter duo, yeah. Devin and Judy Brooks. Yeah, it was awesome. It was great to be able to connect. I mean, Judy's been kind of a pod pod regular, which is awesome to have her in. And she brings in people from her network and life that she finds just interesting or they're doing cool things. And so we were, we were thrilled when she said she was bringing her daughter, Devin, um, to connect, reconnect for you, obviously. Um, and hear about what she's doing and how their relationship and working relationship and mother daughter relationship kind of is all interwoven into who they are and the things they do. Yeah. They're both incredible leaders, uh, thought leaders, mentors, coaches. Uh, Devin was our first business coach when we launched the business in 2010. Uh, she kind of took her, took us under her wing and taught a couple, uh, uh, no nothings (laughs) into, no, a little bit, you know, taught us what a profit and loss statement was. And, you know, we were pretty naive when those, we started the business. So those small little business things that you might need to know. So <laughs> we learned a lot from Devin, a lot of foundation that, uh, you know, we've, we've used to this day. And, uh, you know, we had the, have had the privilege of, of Judy coaching us for years as well. So we're really just, uh, uh, the protege of, uh, the Brooks duo, the mother and daughter duo. There you go. Every, everything we know is from Judy and Devin. <laughs> That's awesome. A debt, a debt of gratitude is owed for sure. Yes. Yeah. So this week was super conversational. We just kind of free flowed and and followed uh, wherever wherever the conversation went. Got into coaching. Uh, got into social media. Got into motherhood. Got into you know being being brave, acts of bravery. Yeah. Um, Devin is a extremely uh brave and ferocious individual that does not shy away from challenges uh whether that's in business or in life you know she's always tackling it head on right um with ambition and excitement so she really is uh a role model beyond just just business yeah 
whether yeah whether it's uh you know creating a new a new platform for people to connect and grow themselves or like yeah taking on this uh, steep mountainside terrain on her mountain bike oh yeah so cool yeah her mountain bike uh, <laughs> rides are, are so amazing yeah um and Devin's also the founder and CEO of Sphere. And you want to tell us a little bit about Sphere? Yeah, it seems like a really cool thing. If you haven't heard of it, it's kind of like end-to-end coaching uh, through an app, like right in your pocket. So, you know, sometimes there's barriers that people have to like seeking out a coach. Where do I go? Who do, you know, who do I call or whatever? Whereas like she's created this thing, Sphere, which really is basically like an app that you open on your phone and you can get connected with. Um, coaches that will help you work through, you know, maybe it's like a roadblock that you're facing or how to, how to grow to reach that next, next potential you want to have for yourself professionally, personally, even, um, you get one-on-one sessions with certified coaches. I think there's like over 300 or something through over 350 that you have access to. So it's kind of like a matchmaking for yourself and your needs and these coaches that you have access to that can literally be anywhere all over the world, but have been vetted and found through, through spheres program. So it's really, really cool to like have this access, like literally at your fingertips for personal and professional growth and development. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the Tinder Airbnb of, of coaching in a way. And I think, uh, I believe Ryan Wilms, uh, former podcast, uh, guest is one of the coaches on there as well, which is, Pretty cool. Yep. Good people for sure. All right, Dina, should we let this one roll? Let's let it roll. We know you're going to love it. All right. Devin Brooks, Judy Brooks, a little more good. Yes. All right. We're here with a very special, very, very special edition of A Little More Good with our co host, Judy Brooks. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm pumped today. Me too. Today is a good day. It is. Do you want to introduce our, our guest this week, Judy? Yeah. Um, in our little immersion series, our yes. Little More Good immersion series is our second uh, guest, following the infamous Warren Schindler, uh, is uh, Devin Brooks. And uh, Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> who's that? Who is this? Devin is uh, my daughter. And... Uh, I am thrilled to be spending this time with her. I'm thrilled to spend any time with her, actually. But this time here, because we've talked about this before, there's like some deep roots going down at this table. Deep roots. Uh, Zach and Ryan, I actually met through Devin. Devin was their first mentor as they were actually opening the truck of the juice truck. And when she moved to Toronto, she... uh, handed them over to me. I was like, mom, take care of them. Take, yeah. take these guys, teach them how to do smaller sampling. Yeah. <laughs> They're giving away two big samples. So that was the introduction. So, so uh, yeah. So uh, Devin is, uh, she, I was a young mom. Um, she was born when I was I think 21, maybe going on 22. And uh, she has two kids. So, she was great before the two kids, and now that she's had to the two kids, she's perfect. Now <laughs> you're in hot demand. Well, oh, actually, yeah. you're not. Just the kids are. Kids <laughs> yeah. Um, she is also was my business partner in um, my last business that I owned called Blow Blow Dry Bar, along with Val Litwin, and uh, she now has her own jam called Sphere which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, which is, uh, and and the impetus of that and how that came about for her. But she, here she is, Dev. 
Hi. Yes. Welcome. I have to... no feelings about Warren being before me because <laughs> at the end of the day, I was really first. <laughs> you're, you're always first, Dev. You're always That's first. Right. Oh, it's true. Oh, I wanted to share. I don't know, even know if you remember this, Devin, but I wanted to share how we first met too, and then we can get into you get tell into us. I want to tell. We first crossed paths, I think, in grade five or grade six at a Vancouver Grizzly summer basketball camp at the uh, at the Grizzly Center. <laughs> so funny. Down by Ironwood, you and Brayden were in it. Yeah, I and, wouldn't have noticed you because I was there oh, for geez. the older boys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I noticed you. <laughs> That's where we first crossed paths. And oh, then, my uh, goodness. And then, you know, just growing up in Richmond, community center dances, sports. That's right. All I, those things. I, well, for me, I distinctly, my most vivid youth memory of Zach is, I can't remember who you had a crush on. It's a week by week thing. We I, it was like Natalie, or it was in that genre of awesome. Yeah, young just name, of name ours. all your friends. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably all of them at some point or another. <laughs> and it was at the Steveston Community Center dance, and I can remember us all being on the dance floor and it was like Brandy or Monica playing and I can remember watching your hands go from her shoulders <laughs> slowly and you're going redder and redder. <laughs> Those were the days. Your, my first still memory. happens. Yeah. Still yeah. Happens. I remember that. Like your your arms get tired. It's, hot, and it's, it's very yeah. innocent and I accidental. I hadn't developed those shoulder muscles yeah. yet. The shoulder strength. So right. I had to just take a break sometimes. Fatigue. Fatigue from, from shooting all those jump shots. Yeah. Oh, they're getting tired throughout this two minute and 30 second song. So much basketball, you know? Yeah. Accidentally sweating. So deep history and Dev and Dean, you guys didn't know each other. We did not. Else, but no. A I was rare... saying on the way out that I felt like she should or could or must. So, um, so I'm glad you guys are getting to meet each other because, yeah. uh, I love her a lot and I love you. So it's nice to have you together and to be here at this table yes. together. Expanding the expanding the circles of connection and friendship is like <laughs> exactly. always, always, always check that box. Uh, before we dive in, uh, should we open? With yeah, let's do, let's yeah, do it. So just that number between one and 10, what's your energy? You'd get to define energy and a single word to describe how you're feeling. Dean. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm sitting at about a seven. Mm -hmm. I'm a seven today. And a word would be feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm at like an eight and a half, mm -hmm. and I'm feeling reunited. <laughs> nice, <Seeing laughs> which is also a song. <laughs> Can you sing it? No. Let's hear it. Mom will not sing. Okay. What about you, Dad? I'm also an eight and a half. And rising. Nice, nice. And I am uh, a 10, and uh, the word would be joyous. Nice. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, good Excellent. to be here. Yeah, grateful for you both to be sitting with us and just excited to dive into to deep conversation. And, you know, I've got a lot of words on this page here, and who knows where we'll go, but I'm excited to explore it. I think one of the joys of conversing with both of you is you're both such interesting people and um, have informed yourself through life and experience in so many vast directions. So I feel like we could like 
have a dartboard and just throw that dart and choose conversation that way. <laughs> that yes. would be a really fun way to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, New game. New we game. want to talk about relationships, climate change, yeah. business, you know, totally. mountain biking, running. We can get into it all. Yeah. So uh, where should we start today? What are we feeling? Well, I think um, probably let's start a little bit with the business part of it. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's funny with being i told you i was with a group of people some of who you know on the weekend um you know barbie bent from legree jaybird and uh dan sutton from tantalus uh labs and weed uh, gang i just bought his gang. i just bought weed his gang. nft you just bought his nft <laughs> yeah. i know holy crap so crazy right yes he's, and and he's such a a big and expansive and creative thinker um and then and robbie bent from othership uh, Emily was missing. Emily was uh, is was at home, had to be at home still. And then uh, Steve Rio, who you guys know in mm-hmm. Austin, and you know it was a, and and Jonathan Cook, and we were around a dinner table, and uh, Deb wasn't there because she was with her kids, but. The and this much. required you to stay up till nine so you may have not made it but it we realized that we all have um one of our love languages is business and um and the expansiveness of that conversation as opposed to like we've talked about before there's like old modeling of businesses mm-hmm. so you have dan sutton at the table who's you know was one of the youngest ceos in the cannabis space and now is really diving in to this idea of um autonomy and sovereignty and business and nfts and all that sort of stuff so yeah it kind of goes and then we've got the breathwork guru on you know and then we've got the five and the old gangsta and it was like yeah it was just it was beautiful and so i think that devon and i have always shared um a language of of business and a love of business because she watched me in business when she was little Um, i never not owned a business the whole time deb was born since she was born and um and then a language of the expansiveness of business so yeah is that true for you too oh yeah absolutely i i think what we both share um is this idea that that business can be an art it is an art form mm-hmm. and businesses can change the way that people move through the world and change perspectives and um, change hearts and minds. I think we both share that. And I certainly I certainly learned that from watching you and your businesses from when I was a little girl. And um, what I think that also moves and excites us both now is the idea of the role that business can continue to play in the forwarding and the deepening of humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sphere, your your latest and last one here is how did that evolve for you? And maybe give us a little description of what that is. <laughs> <laughs> just a little description. I just laugh yeah. because I mean, you. It's, it's so one of the things we share is business, but the other thing I think is a reverence for communication and a reverence for the power of um, both the spoken word as well as communication through space and body language and um, I grew up with you so I had this this incredible 
mirror and guide, um, albeit super annoying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't actually have to add that. <laughs> but okay. It's okay. We can make edits. We can make edits. It's okay. I said to Devin, she's never been more annoying than now. <laughs> yeah, I'm my most annoying now. I need the most now. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it was through that. It was through the experience of the kind of conversations that you had with me um as a young girl to I, I I can remember all of the the friends Zach and I share um from our youths and how many times their parents I would overhear uh hanging out at other people's houses, you know, the things that those kids weren't allowed to do, or this is your curfew, or this is, this is not acceptable. This is not an okay way to be. This is our way. You need to be like this, sound like this, do this, become this. And I just don't remember having any of those conversations except about lying. (laughs) Yeah. Lying Lying, is not good. Lying Mm. was, um, not okay. I, um, I have the most vivid memory. Do you remember, remember Dial-A-Bottle? Yeah. yeah. No. So, <laughs> and this will come back to Sphere. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. We just got to take a ride with Dial-A-Bottle. Right. Take a ride. And um, we had called Dial-A-Bottle on a Friday night, and I had said to my mom, who of course was like, Bean, which is my nickname, is there anything you want to tell me? And I should have said, yes, I plan on drinking tonight and all these other things because we did have that level of communication. But sometimes as a teenager, it just felt good to lie a little bit. (laughs) So I um, didn't, I omitted those things and went upstairs and finished, you know, flat ironing our hair with, on the ironing board (laughs) with the the iron. And, uh, you know, you always left with a few battle wounds from that, or battle scars. And we went downstairs and we, we said goodnight to you and all the girlfriends. You know, we like out of the house. And then I was like, okay, go through the gate and the side door. Because Dial-A-Bottle had left the bag and I'd left the cash. And I opened the side door and my mom's standing there just in the <laughs> darkness in the, the side door with the, the booze in her hand. And then she was like, just don't lie. And... Um, and then I went on my merry way. And it, it's those kinds of um, examples that stay with me now because it was all around integrity. Mm-hmm. It was all around integrity. And that was what you never allowed to be compromised. And that was my greatest gift and integrity and communication um, in particular. Uh, and so that that was the impetus, um, really having that experience and then starting blow Blow Dry Bar together and having then the experience of not just being your daughter in the world anymore, but being your daughter and your collaborator and and, mm-hmm. and partner, somebody you conspired with and, and your partner mm-hmm. um, with you and with Val. And, and then watching, you know, not just me be coached, but all of my colleagues be coached and the power of that style and tool in, in our business. And I, I think back to it and the success we had as three founders in terms of if I define success as like the feeling that still emanates between us now, all mm-hmm. these years later, and it's because of how we revered those things. And so um, I watched coaching come alive and support our culture and blow and support us as founders. And then it was the thing that I fell in love with and did after um, we stepped away from blow. Mm. It's, so, it's so cool. I just want to like, 
reflect on, I think something that's really important and noteworthy is like talking about those, those relationships and connections as like parent and child and how I think so often as parents, like we want obviously what's best for our kids. And sometimes the way we think we're going to do that is by like putting all of those frameworks and boundaries and rules and obligations and expectations and like laying that on them rather than like giving them space to be their own person. And I think it's so interesting because like the fruit of that is now like I want to be like what I saw, right? I want to like live into that and live not up to it in like an expectation sort of way, but I want to rise to that. Mm -hmm. And I like, you know, as a parent myself, like I think it's really important to remember like these little humans need at different stages, different levels of like guidance. But hearing you share, like communication is always something that has been so important and still is. It has like shaped not only like your path to where you are now, but like has been a kind of foundation of the relationship and how that would, I would assume like transcend the mother daughter paradigm into mm. like how you are in the world with other people in your businesses, like how you show up as keeping those core things core, like integrity, honesty, and like open communication. And really like as a core, what more what more do you need? Like that's the foundation to build anything off of. And I think that idea of integrity when you're talking, uh, when you're, you know, you're talking about raising a child or raising children, whether you're, they're your own or, you know, communities is, I hope what you're trying to actually reflect to them is their own integrity. Not that you keep them to their integrity, but you and hold them, you hold them to the integrity they have suggested they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's the same in business with team members with, you know, I, I think we talked about that last time. For me, those dearest and closest to me are those people that are unabashedly hold me to who I said I want to be in the world and do it with love and kindness, but also with absolute clarity. They're, they're more concerned about my well-being and my evolution than they are thinking that they're going to like, that I'm not going to talk to them or whatever yeah. people think, you know, and I, I thanks Dev about that. I mean, I, I really used to think when you have a lot of rules, all you do is you jack your own rules all the time as a parent. You say you're going to do something you don't because it doesn't always suit you to do that. But if it is about the idea of, and I can remember the only one or two times as a teenager that I ever was like, I I felt, um, I felt bewildered and confused and maybe I didn't feel angry a lot as a mom. Maybe that was the closest I felt were a couple of times when Dav didn't tell the truth and I was just like, it's so much freaking easier when you tell the truth. Mm -hmm. But our brain tells us that's not so, right? Our brain will do anything to avoid that moment of discomfort. So to actually override that Mm -hmm. to to and be in emotional intelligence and and in intellect and go, okay, I'm going to have to live with this at some point. So I can choose now or I can choose later. Mm -hmm. And the... um, the later is, is usually worse though oh, yeah. in the moment. It feels really good to not choose a moment of discomfort over a future like year of hell. <laughs> you know, it's just right. so funny. Well, this is really why I started Sphere because I felt bad that the rest of the world didn't have you. So, <laughs> and, and that's really, that's what it came down to is exactly as you said, accountability and support and helping, helping us orient back to our truth, what is true for us. Um, what it is that we want to feel, how do we cultivate that, watching you teach me and, and, and experiencing you teach me this tool and demonstrate it in every aspect of your life. And then 
me think, well, this absolutely is something that the world needs. And so, yeah, Sphere is a marketplace and platform democratizing coaching and making personal and professional coaching available to everybody. So from mindfulness to relationships and leadership, um, making sure that everybody has access to somebody like Judy. And we have like 400 um, coaches now around the world. And, and now I get to see people experience what I got to experience mm-hmm. with you, you know, from my first breath um, now mm-hmm. in so many parts of their businesses and lives. I think that's important too. What, what I watch when I look at Sphere, and, and I've had the experience of, of guiding on it too, because I, of course, wanted to have that experience and see, you know, coaching or guiding on it, is that um, there is an, I believe it's starting to get antiquated. I don't think it's going to be non existent model of coaching that is like <clears throat> about trying to progress in a singularity, in a career, in a track. And I think. It, in particular over the last few years we've gone for it's not just about that success of tracking up within career it's about that wider and broader um ability and availability to practice of oneself to just show up kinder and better mm-hmm. all the time and to know that you will screw up and to get resourced when you do so that you can go back out and and give yourself the compassion of i'm going to do better today mm-hmm. you know so i really i love that on sphere is if you could also move from coach to coach because I think of I think we do need individual relationships, but I also think that we need to sometimes it's like, gosh, you were really great for that. And I might need support over here and to not feel badly about that and not to single source yourself either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I really liked that model. And mm-hmm. in some ways, <clears throat> I, I don't know, you've probably thought of this a million times over, Dad, but I reflected the other day when I was telling somebody about it. It's much like um, when we moved into the blow, blow, dry bar model. So it wasn't a salon. It wasn't about creating a relationship with an individual mm-hmm. stylist. So you might have a deep, you know, meaningful interaction with that stylist. It was about building it with the brand and the service over multi people. I kind of feel like that about Sphere is you go, I trust and have loyalty with the platform or the app and the way that the guides are chosen and all of that and that means i can move from spirituality to financial to um, business to relationship in this sphere this Mm -hmm. orbit of of guides without feeling like but still knowing that i've got my back covered that somebody's done all the searching for me um so i i really liked that about it and i do think it's the model that we need going forward is not to just look at an individual within a company and go we need to develop and then this singularity um you know it would be nice if we'd lever up if we'd rise in all sorts of areas of our lives so that's what i really thought was um thank you really smart about it yeah, yeah really well this whole whole people are always going to be better in their singularities whatever they're excelling at or performing in or whatever it is if you right. take that person and invest in them as a whole person, it's just going to lift all of it, right? And it's going to make them better. And I love the idea that you can, it's like it's like the, the platform has your back. It's like the trusted friend. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, you want to learn about this or get you know growth totally. in this area? Like this is your person to connect with. It's another way to go back to the mat. That's what coaching yeah. is. It's another way mm-hmm. to go back to the mat. And just like mom described, I, I can remember modeling out sphere and people saying well you know 
you used to build a relationship with one coach and you'd work with them for 10 or 12 years. And I would say, yeah, but you know, things are changing and we're now moving towards it exactly as you said, not just being this capitalistic outcome driven thing of like, get me to milestone A or B, but, but give me another way to come back to the mat. So looking at yoga and breath work and all these tools that I know the four of us use at this table um, and coaching and, 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 and. And therapy. And, and yeah. Yes, and oscillating between these tools to ensure that at every moment you are resourcing yourself the way that you need to be in your highest form, to be of your most good, and to be of service in the world in a way that you're proud of. Love that. That's awesome. I was think I was just reflecting on having, you know, experience the the benefit of having both of you as coaches in my life and friends and mentor and all sorts of other hats that you've both worn in in, in our relationships um and i was thinking about just like the idea of having a coach and you know we start off at a young age and we have teachers who kind of coach us and and our parents of course and then you know we get into sports and we have coaches and they you know you want to get better at basketball you get a coach you want to get better at running you get a coach you want to learn how to play guitar you get a coach you know you have these all these roles and then um you know we become adults and we're just like expected to like know how to do things and figure it out for ourselves and and we kind of forget how we grew up and how we learned all of these like skills in life it was like the uh, leaning on on leaders and, and coaches and and people that had that kind of knowledge source and um and then I was thinking about how I approach life in all these other ways like with my food you know I'll like I don't want to get sick so I'll have like a proactive diet where I'm like I'm going to eat plant-based whole food because I want to be um I want to be healthy I don't want to be reactive and get sick and then you know take things in the future I mean that might happen who knows but I was thinking the same thing with with coaching like having you both coached myself in the in the past and the present it's kind of like that same approach as as my food diet it allows me to be proactive in um kind of um identifying you know things that might come up in my life whether that's business or relationship or other ways and it gives me the tools to navigate those 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 things before I get there um so I was just kind of reflecting how we all all need coaches and you've created this platform where you can have multitudes mm. of coaches that will allow us to kind of navigate those those landmines and and have a proactive approach to life so that we can be prepared for when pandemics hit or businesses don't right. work or relationships don't work so we have the tools to go it's funny that you say that too i think one of the interesting things about being a parent because you know all of us are at the table right now but turn parent into something else turn sure. it into aunt uncle turn it into community yeah. member any kind of yeah any kind of caregiver or a caregiver that actually just chooses to be a caregiver in community whether or not they're directly responsible for somebody is there's the assumption that as a parent in particular though that you're the right coach for your kid right and you know it's why i had two stepsons but it's why i only had one biological kid because like the chances of me screwing up are less when there's only one <laughs> so good luck all you guys yeah. <laughs> for sure you're not going to be the right coach for at least one of your kids yes. you know but where and as parents we are taught to resource with teachers or with therapists, but we're actually not taught to resource with other adults that mm. could give our kid something they need 
that we might not be part of ourselves. And I think, you know, I think back to, because I'm a little bit older than you guys, I think back to the whole, like, where it went away from this idea of, like, in community where you, your kid would walk down the street and that person would take care of them and that person and they'd get invited in and that became dangerous, even yes. though... We know that in the whole idea of stranger danger, we actually isolated our children from community mm -hmm. and that most kids that are hurt are actually hurt by somebody that they know and trust. Mm -hmm. And so we put all this stranger stuff out and we stopped this, you know, incredible ecosystem of um, we got adults. In the way of the village. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, yeah we, and, and we talked about this before, the movement in the 80s towards like now we've got bigger houses with bigger backyards and we're no longer at the front of the house. We're at the back of the house with the barbecues. We started to get away from this connection and community and that mm -hmm. we all are care for each other. So I think that now as parents, I'm like, where do you actually let other adults that are not necessarily aunts or uncles even, mm -hmm. step in and start to care for and love your children. And I, I also think there became this like weird thing about, I want my kid to love me more than they love anyone else. Yeah. Like, I, that's kind of weird. I, I, that has us all to do with them and yeah. everything to do with totally. you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally self-serving. That is yes. self-serving. I feel better about myself when someone loves me this intently. Yeah. You know, and where is it that we can just look at where is it we can sit in our responsibility, our duty, and our love and give that child as much autonomy and sovereignty of being to decide who they want to become in the world with the guidance that we are responsible for when it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And, and also recognizing each child is different, you know, yeah. each, each person is different. Yeah. It's like single sourcing relationship and saying all relationships. Can you imagine if you had the same relationship with each of your partners exactly the same way, assuming that you had more than one partner, <laughs> like in your yeah. lifetime? I know I, like in high school, you had like seven on the dance floor. Those are the days. But yeah, so where is it that we start to widen and broaden and... And also, um, where we sit in curiosity, inquiry, and learning with self, with self and others. So other is there to reflect to us, to to help us with our inquiry. And then where is it that we move away from that, mm -hmm. and and actually just sit and to start to cultivate our own wisdom and that balance. To think that you ever hit one spot and that's it forever, I think that's the the dangerous spot because mm. um, it it's a bit out of humility. And it says that I've learned everything I, I need to learn. And here I am, perfect as I am now, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, instead of that, there's more. And I think that's the benefit of uh, being around a group. Um, at my community so wide, it being so diverse in gender, age, and orientation, but definitely also, like I said, being a young enough mom that I was able to um, kind of that maybe Devin kind of wanted to hang out with me a little bit, but also that she brought in this community. And it's funny, she only she didn't just bring in a community of youth that at one point, not very long ago, maybe in her early 20s, like one of her best friends was like a 70-year-old lawyer guy. <laughs> and so she also, that reflection of diversity at the dinner tables, which she reflected in her life, which I think has been... It's actually the thing that... I have found the most difficult in the world is when I am not experiencing that and how and how so much of the time what there seems to be a habit of doing is going out and fostering 
total homogeny. Yes. Total and complete homogeny, mm. sameness in opinion and perspective and and creating only a world that continues to validate what you already have established or think you believe or know instead of people who have different experiences than you and different truths than you and have walked a different path than you and it's what I have so so valued and and it's the thing that I struggle with when I'm out in the world and I am not experiencing that yeah and I think I think that's what we see like on mass in our world right now like literally the algorithms of these social media apps yeah. that we use are designed to give us the feedback loop, right? The echo yep. chamber, it's the same thing and we're we're feeling validated and we're feeling like we're right and everybody thinks like me mm. and it is like dangerous at how it is reinforcing that homogenous view of the world and then the flip side of that is like when you do encounter someone who thinks, acts, believes, behaves differently than you, it's not met with like curiosity or wonder fear. as much as it's met with fear, fear or like anger. Anger. Yes. Fear yes. Yeah. And like you are wrong. You are wrong. And I can't love you if you think differently than I do. Yes. I can't hold space of love. Which is great. Like there has to be some sociological study to say where did that like it's a sliding scale, but where was that tipping point where we went from like, oh, like you're different than me like why like how do you have that perspective where do you get that from to it being like that's you're bad you are wrong you're different and like i don't want anything to do with you and that feels dangerous sort of like we go from having like hardcore boundaries to no fences like we haven't figured out how to stay in curiosity stay in that um, depend like the independence of our thoughts and beliefs, where we've checked them out and feel them still to be right, but still be able to be welcoming and accepting from that position. Yeah, I something that I know that you and I share and have and have said to each other and to people we love and talked about many times is is that idea of something should click for you the moment you have to make someone else wrong to feel right. Mm. That is definitively, like there's always, we can always track back to that moment when we start making other people wrong, whether it's, you know, in a conversation, in our kitchen, when we're having a disagreement with our loved one, whatever it is, but to occupy a space of exactly you said curiosity and and to pay attention for when we start making other people wrong so that we can feel right or just even pure acceptance I don't even need to understand why you think that you just do and that's cool you can be you I can be me and we can be we you know like yeah. all yes. of that is mm -hmm. um, so I believe so important right now I have a question because this has been um, top of mind for me um, this last month is you know, we like I, I haven't been um, active on social. And then a few months ago when um, I, I put out this artifact called Consider, it seemed to need something called social. And, and I and also I guess that's one way that people find you, because right now, you know, with a community of 500 over, it's all been very word of mouth. And, and that feels great if people if I sing a song or music that people want to listen to. Great. Great. Super, let's do that. Or we do as a community, this group of people and I. But I wonder where, how is it that you manage around social? And I know you do lots on social, Zach. How is it you manage around social to do 
do good and right without getting pulled into those algorithms, without getting pulled into this small kind of view and vision. Like that's pretty big for me right now because my thing is just to not want to do it. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily, especially at my stage, like that's not a good answer either. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't like it. So I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. That's that's a bit close-minded also. I understand. Yeah. But, and then I didn't know that all these things like pop up and some of them you want to buy. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is what happens to as people. As long as they're mostly for my children, <laughs> it's fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, it's... How does it know Keep I like small batch maker purchase. stuff? Right. <laughs> the algorithm is very smart. Yeah. <laughs> can show you all the accounts to follow. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I already. The, I just the, open her phone and I like things when she's not looking. <laughs> <laughs> she has no idea Genius. how all these kids' friends are popping up all yeah. the time. So how do you do that, Zach? How do you balance that? I mean, I think it's very challenging, and, and Dean and I talk about it a lot on our runs. Yep. Uh, it's something we've been exploring. Um, a couple of years for a couple of years is just mm. nuance and um, you know I, th- I think like we were talking about these echo chambers are serving to like alienate e- us, us from each other mm. and, and to put fences up when we really we need to be building bridges mm. and and, mm. and building roads and paths and we were talking about even like conversation like just being open to conversation even if you don't agree can be healing Mm-hmm. Um, if someone thinks differently than than myself, and and like Devin was saying, like instead of having to prove them wrong and myself right, I can just listen and or delete eat, them, or, or, <laughs> or, or delete them. I mean, often I still won't agree with somebody, totally. but then we won't have that that animosity or that right. uh, anger towards each other, and maybe that can be the starting point to finding commonality and unity and things that actually like. Because in truth, the most of the we we most of us have more in common than we have that separates us. And if we can like start with that, it's really easy to point at the things that um, differentiate us. But if we're like, "Hey, I'm a parent. Oh, you're a parent too. Like, oh, you love your kids. I love my kids too. Oh, we like you want to have like dinner as well. Like, I also <laughs> I want dinner. I also want to eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like start to even if they seem like small things, like start with those things that we have in common and. Yeah. And we'll hopefully, at least it's my hope, find that we're all seeking love and companionship and community and uh, we don't need to divide over things that um, in the scope of a lifetime don't matter so much. Yeah. So tell me, how is it right now that you manage your energy around that, uh, like literally social, like Instagram and all those things. Those I mean, platforms. Yeah. For myself, and and I'd be interested in all your your perspectives on this. Like, it's choosing when to engage. Like, I don't engage in every conversation that is maybe challenging for me. It's it's being open to conversations where I think there is possibility. Because not all conversations. Some people are just like on a mission to like mm. they don't care what you say. Mm. And, to be unkind or uncruel. And yeah, cruel in the moment. So I'm like, if this if this individual isn't interested in conversation or compassion, then like, I'm not going to engage. Like if they're just, yeah. we'll get quote unquote trolls in our inbox that are oh, just see, like, that just like makes my heart shudder. Yeah. And at, <laughs> at first, I mean, I would earlier on in the business, I would stay up all night angry. Or, okay, like, angry's your jam, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> anger, angst, but yeah, does but it ang- make you, did it make you anxious? Anxious, fearful, like, you know, these people are going to ruin my business. These people are going to ruin my life. Cause we, I've like, 
I've had threats over social media, and we're like a vegan. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, business. I'm looking at Zach going, what could they be threatening about? Yeah, for yeah. You? Like, because so, you don't have the right ingredients in your green protein. Yeah, I mean, like, too oh. much spinach. I mean, I hate to break it to people, but uh, sometimes the left-leaning uh, vegans of the world can be as wrong as the you know right-leaning oh, conservatives everything. of the world. Right. So you know, we get people are angry, and they you know whether wow. they're they're not happy somewhere in their life, it's easy to take it out on a anonymous person on social media or a stranger on the streets. And um, I used to engage with all of these people and try to like kill it with kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, if COVID's taught me anything, it's like sometimes I just say no and don't even engage. I just, mm. It's like that old Buddhist saying like, you know, so if someone offers you a present and you don't accept it, they're left with that present, mm-hmm. you know? So if that present may be like anger mm-hmm. or... Um, you know, something negative that you don't want if you just don't accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they still are holding that present. Mm-hmm. They haven't given it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of trolls that we don't engage with. And then often I just try to, like, kill it with compassion and and, and mm-hmm. leave it to them to... Yeah, and to, to your point, compassion isn't always engagement. Yes. And compassion can be just, I can love you from here without engaging you. I yeah. I space for you from here. And I'm not attached to if you agree with me or no. if you ever come back to the juice truck again. Right. Um, or, you know. No, totally. I'm, I'm, use, I'm using that as an example. No, 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 but no, it no, could no. Be Are like you kidding me? A, a stranger. Blow? We used to have a couple of clients. We were like, yeah. we think we're not the best service for you. Yes. We think that you would be so much happier not yeah. with us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And we've learned that in the last couple of years, like having our, our teams back, like some customers our aren't great aren't, 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 aren't right right for us. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to yeah. let them go. One of the interesting <laughs> things that I'm seeing on social right now, I'm not sure if you guys have observed this, is I have a couple of people in my community, friends, who are trying to have algorithm-free experiences on Instagram. So they'll create secondary accounts where they don't interact with the home feed at all. They don't like anything else. So they're trying to have a brand, an algorithm-free experience where they're literally only following a few uh, family members and a few of their closest friends. And that's it. And it's quite interesting to talk to uh, those folks and, and how it's changing what they're seeing, doubling back to what you were saying, is this idea of the eco chamber and how it is affecting that. So it's neutralizing that. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I, I think if we go back to like our, our childhood, mm. this like pre internet kind of era, mm. there was all, Uh-oh, if you, ICQ for it's like maybe the younger most, listeners, the most appropriate sound for like the emerging internet. Yeah, experience. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. yeah. every yeah. elder millennial knows that. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Man, God bless. Um, like you'd go to a friend's house, and everyone's parents had different uh opinions on the world, and you'd be like, Oh, Tom's parents are crazy, or you know, yeah, like, yeah. but it was fine, it was like accepted, you know, like it was normalized to think differently, and now, totally. yeah. It's like if you don't think the same as me, I have well, I want nothing to do with and you. And I don't want to send my kids to your house. And we don't want to send yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like we were Dean and I were talking about trying to make it a habit to listen to someone, like make it part of your, your homework for the week to listen to a podcast or a TV show or That's a journalist. An opposition, huh? That is like completely the opposite to what you think. And just 
see how that affects you. Yeah. yeah. On the flip side, though, you and I have had some interesting conversations because it's, it's, it also it makes me think about um, without naming names. You'll get where I'm going with <laughs> no. this. Should we shame Mom, everybody live on yeah, the podcast? Yeah. Can we do a hangnail? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, hangnail. What's that? Blank, blank. Yeah. Space. Yeah. Blank, blank, blank. Yeah. On recent walks, we've talked about moments where. Um, one or both of us have had experiences uh, whereby we've become very aware of a person feeling a certain way and that their behavior and the words that they're saying suggest that feeling, but they're not actually any demonstrating any of the responsibility to articulate or to vocalize that thing. And so where you and I oscillate towards is because we're not we're not conflict adverse. We're, we're like, let's go deeper. We're like, not afraid of that stuff. So, okay, I'm feeling this. You know, Let's put it on the table. But actually, it's just as important, and you and I keep talking about this, to figure out where the moments are where you're not like leaning in and you're actually just sort of like sitting right up and you're going, I'm, there's plenty of space for you to say how you feel if you ever will when you're ready. Right. And it's not actually my work in this moment to pull that to out pull, of you exactly yeah. well it's funny that you say that because the other thing that really has come up a couple of, you know with so i just finished immersions over on bodega yes uh, a women's and then a men's group and and it was you know thank you jesse at bodega thank you Elmark, for the incredible food yes. um yeah um but this idea too where we we so often believe how we feel Feel is how we're expressing both verbally and non-verbally and that everybody's understanding the message that's inside of us and really so somebody said to me the other day well, like so care so deeply about them and I like was like well you wouldn't know because mm. you haven't done anything that's of care mm-hmm. but I'm not denying they, that's how you feel I, I am so sure of that and and I look at people who um l- when they reflect on childhood, didn't feel loved. And, you know, we, I think we can go into that for a long time, so we'll sort of gently <laughs> walk around it. But the idea is we also have to look at people's capacity and their capability, and it's not till we're older often that we can say, ah, oh, you did your best. Mm. And just because I didn't receive that as love, it doesn't mean that you didn't feel it. So I think there's responsibility on both sides to yeah. realize just because I'm thinking it it's not super helpful if i'm not behaving it and then on the other side to go just because i'm not receiving it it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in terms of a feeling isn't it interesting how we started this conversation about social media and how do we engage and it's kind of come around to like devin you kind of started us on it and judy exactly what you're just articulating is like it's relationship and it's time and it's space and it's messy and it's like being able to know the person and know the space. And like, you can't do that through a mediated like app service mm-hmm. of like DMs and 140 character like quick replies. It requires like a knowledge of the person. And in those quick, like, I'm angry, so I'm going to fire something like off. Fleeting interactions. Yeah. And it, it's like, I don't think twice about sending an angry message because there was too much spinach in my smoothie. Right. But like, if that were a real human to human interaction, Would I'd probably I be it? like, oh, actually, you know what? It's not, don't worry totally. about it. No big deal. Well, it's the reason conflict resolution and traditional healing circles work because when we're in this space with each other, we cannot help 
but will want to move in and mend. Yes. And when we divide that, like our justice system divides mm-hmm. the the feeling from the behavior or the action. I'm not saying that sometimes those actions or behaviors um, or choices don't require also something um, that's disciplinary or clear. But when we go into the feelings part of it and we understand everyone's story and understand what took them to that moment. Yes then we can we often go in with healing and with one to 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 change it. And that's why conflict can't be dressed in singularity. It has to be dressed on a community basis. Yeah. Because everybody's feeling it. Right. Yeah. Everybody feels it. So even if the two people all of a sudden can make their way around it. I mean can remember that as a child in the schoolyard where there would be like somebody who's like kind of like the schoolyard boss mm-hmm. and they would inflict pain, <laughs> emotional pain on someone. And the community would be like, didn't know what to do. Then all of a sudden that would get sorted, but the community is left going, what are we supposed to do here? And and so that's the idea around restorative justice and healing circles. So yes. yeah, what, what we will say on social, what we'll even say in an email, what we'll even say on the phone oh, when yeah. we can't see the person as opposed to seeing the impact on our words, yes. of our words is so completely different. Well, it's... Social media has just become a dumping ground. Mm-hmm. That's for all mm. of these things, for the, the, the anger and the frustration that is felt. And it is a, um, it is a sort of quick release, guilt-free way of shooting that dart and then not having to actually watch how it made somebody feel. Yeah. And that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. And yeah. It, the, the other thing that, in addition to that is, we, I, I think over the last, say, 30 years, there was the idea, especially with children, that we needed them to step into being more themselves and more expressive. And I think that that was a good way to switch as opposed to like, you should mm. be, you know, seen, never heard. However, the idea that everything I have to say is important is also a bit of a crazy one. (laughs) Like, what if I just, what if what I have to say isn't the most important thing right now? Mm -hmm. What if uh, my friend Jonathan, his, you know, 92 year old mother says, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) But but no, when I look at it, I'm like, doesn't need to be said at all. You know, doesn't need to be said now as my friend Jonathan, does it need to be said by me? Mm-hmm. And but the bigger thing is why is it so freaking important that I speak into Every everything issue. all the way yes. all the time? That's definitely a reflection of my need for validation, not yes. necessarily a need to actually bring forth community and mm-hmm. hold people up. It comes back to exactly like that work of ego and like one of my check-ins for social media is like consumption versus creation. And if I'm on there just consuming, I should probably stop. Like that's a boundary for me. If I'm just like scrolling and consuming and it's like not building me up, it's not like I'm not tracking with people who are inspirational or it's just kind of like I'm escaping. Granted, there's always time Mm -hmm. and a place for that. But if it's just wasting time, I'm like, I'm just consuming stuff that's not actually doing anything beneficial for me. I could be reading a book. I could go for a walk or run, Mm. engaging with my children. Like, there's so many things that are more important than this, right? Mm -hmm. This scrolling. Mm -hmm. And then the creation piece, it feels like, oh, well, if I'm like on there creating or getting inspired into creating, 
then that's like more helpful. But even with that, the ego check is always asking like, uh, do I have something to contribute here? Yeah. And if I do, great. But if I don't, then what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like the world doesn't need more noise in the frame. Like Zach sent this kind of funny thing uh, earlier this morning where it was like, you know, someone's someone's cheeky post that's actually quite, it's, it's good for a cheap laugh, but it's like, I just want to make the announcement that I'm like hanging up my hat uh, from, from the last two years of being like a, whatever vaccine specialist and you know, <laughs> like uh, infectious disease specialist and now i am like a geopolitical uh, eastern european like, <laughs> specialist totally. right it's like a retiring from one thing into the next and it's like you are neither of those things like get out of the space yeah we don't need more noise we don't need more noise uh, yeah no and where is it that like you said we go back and we pull in the sharing of community that doesn't even have to be about anything but knowing that we're all deeply connected. Like when you said, even that the difference for me between empathy and compassion is empathy says that we have to find something in common. Compassion to me says, I don't need, I, I'm a mushroom. I know we're all interconnected underneath the earth. I do not, I don't need to know mm-hmm. anything except for if it's relevant or, or you want to bring it forth. I just know that we're both human. Yeah. I believe in our deep humanity. And you know, you guys are all parents. I, I um, was with my friend Tara the other day, the, you know, the, the, the founder of Smart Sweets, and she has this little baby named Willa, and Willa's eight and a half months. And I said to her, isn't it the funniest feeling? Because you think that nobody on earth could love their baby as much as you love your baby. Like you're thoroughly <laughs> convinced that nobody feels like you do. But that's how we all feel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even those parents <laughs> that, you know, may have had a hard time parenting and have not maybe even done harm. I believe that when babies are born, all parents look at their baby and think they want to be a great dad, a great mom, that they are they feel nothing but love. And then sometimes or we're just pulled, could. Yeah, or we're and then we're just pulled back in we can get pulled back into our own hurts and our own pains. But, you know, I think that, if nothing else, that everybody freaking loved their mom at some point. Which... (laughs) For one moment, at least. Which is that that whole thing that you and I have talked about before, which is this idea of everything is trauma, and it's not. And it's just not. And I'm I'm starting to... um, be particularly sensitive about this because of the last two years and I think that I started to become aware of it because of my own experiences as a young adult and in terms of when we use that language I have PTSD from I I, that that was traumatic was it or Mm. was it just hard Mm. was that a hard thing because it's not about owning or defining this idea of trauma but it's also about reminding ourselves not all that is hard is trauma Mm -hmm. hard is good hard is beneficial and for us to remember that you know well well these challenges are all relative in terms of how they make us feel that there are some challenges that are greater and do become traumas. They are not all the same. No. It is not all the same. It's interesting. So, you know, in Galliano, this group of men um, 
you know, 11 of them, I guess. And there was stuff going on at the table. You know, somebody had just got a, a kidney transplant. Somebody is still in the middle of, of cancer and, um, and, and dealing with that. You know, people had lost fathers, people. But we were, you know, for the most part, it was a group of, um, of men who are living very privileged lives, as all we are around this table. And there was one young guy there who was about 23 who had an experience where early on, you know, they did have to access social services. They did, you know, food wasn't an obvious thing that was going to be on the table. And he is also somebody who has some, you know, his, his mom in the Ukraine. And as we started the next day to talk about this idea of success and this balance we're always I believe as a humanity we're we're fighting or is it a privileged humanity be to be like is it enough you know what's enough well I just want more success and more success usually means more money mm-hmm. and I sort of did that pause of I, I need I would love us to all sit down and think are any of us going to go without food and I said but before we have this conversation around success and around capitalism I need to honor that that's different than not being able to eat as a child. Mm-hmm. Like so, like yeah. sitting in that minute and going, God, it doesn't mean your cancer's not important. It doesn't mean your, you know, kidney transplant's not important. But let's be clear: when we're talking about money and capitalism, it is different. When this young man had this experience mm-hmm. uh, of not being able to eat as a mm-hmm. child, like mm-hmm. it's different, mm-hmm. and and nobody did anything but agree, because it, so where is it that we honor that? that hurt, that pain, that trauma, that feeling of trauma, that experience, that hardness was different from other. It might not have felt different for us on our inside, Mm -hmm. but there is a reality. The reality is, is that's different than this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Like I've heard, you know, other people have conversations around this idea of like calling things trauma that might just be like hard experiences and not fun. But what if, some of those things could be coached or reframed to see that no no this was like a growth moment or a growth mm-hmm. experience and even even in like a, a field like ultra endurance sports right in the last decade like his registrations in these like marathon long runs have just gone crazy people because people are looking for things that are hard because generally in at least our part of the world life is pretty good right. and we don't we don't have a lot of struggle or and that's not to say people don't work hard and all this, but like in terms of like generations before us, if we look totally. at our snapshot in the world, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, we got it like real good. Right. right. So we have to create these yeah. experiences that let us know that of our own sense of resilience, yes. that our own I as opposed to the me, you know, like mm-hmm. I, that I of that deep rooted self of knowing and of of you know center coming back to center of I and then the me is all this stuff that happens around without that discomfort without taking us to our edge and even being bored we don't even allow ourselves to be bored anymore mm-hmm. and yeah. then I like I said we sort of pass that on to our children where we're like we don't want them to be bored we don't want them to feel bad we don't want them to have bad experiences bad and that binary bad and good and yet on that edge of discomfort is is really where all the growth is. And so we do things like, you know, it's so funny. I don't want to feel badly at work, but I'll go run a freaking 70K marathon and put my body through the edge of stress. Where is it we do that with 
our even our emotions and go, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't have to self-soothe through this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just sit in the discomfort. Where is it? And now, you know, of course, on the weekend being with the other ship gang and the vents is it was all about, you know, sauna cold plunge. (laughs) And we did a really good cold plunge when we were in Galliano. And so even in that, I always say to my dear friend, Robbie, who's just such a, you know, absolute master in this field, but I'm like, you're, you don't need to worry about being okay in the discomfort of a cold plunge or in a dark cave. You, you, it's just in the mundane, like, you know, Mm -hmm. in a future state, how are you going to be a cool freaking in equanimity while you're like changing diapers or, you know, taking out the garbage? Tell me that one, Mm -hmm. but we don't. We just don't want to do that. Even yeah. I think about dishwashers. That used to be like an hour and a half thing as part of your dinner. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine spending an hour and a half dishwashing after mm-hmm. a dinner now? Well, it's, it's funny just talking about this and, and you know, going to running. We've, we've taken away all the space to be bored mm-hmm. and filled it. And so I literally will have to go run for an hour, an hour and a half just to give my brain space to think clearly when really those opportunities could be everywhere throughout the day, doing the dishes, you know, cleaning, cleaning the house, Mm -hmm. um, you know, commuting to work or whatever. Like we've filled all of our space. Mm -hmm. It's so crowded that we don't have opportunity to think for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're listening to podcasts and, and the media and it's telling us how to think and, we're not giving space to to think, and that oppor- or, or even the possibility to be bored, and out of boredom can come creativity, and can come you know ideas where you might have the next sphere, or the next blow, or the next juice truck, or the next mm-hmm. you yeah. know whatever. If we're just filling all the space, you know, we just become these mundane well, people, or yeah. just understand that it's time to plant a garden. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Does, yeah. Where when is it time to just plant a garden? When yeah. is it time to? Uh, just put your feet in the sound. When is it time to, you know, all of those things. And you don't need and, a picture of it. And you don't need a <laughs> You don't need a picture of it. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny because, like I said, I'm not, I don't really still understand. I mean, I understand social. I don't understand it in my being. But then I'm also like, am I being lazy? Like, And I'm not in self-judgment, but I'm like, do I not want to understand this? Am I try- is there a protection for me about this? But the idea of pictures cracks me up. Mm-hmm. Shay, like, um, and also, what do you do with all those pictures eventually? <laughs> well, collect likes. <laughs> but what, no, like, like, honestly, what do you do with all the pictures? Because yeah. I've got albums, yeah. and I'm like, why did we have all these pictures? I, I love I started, those albums. I started taking all the pictures out and using them as bookmarks because I was like, I will never go through this album. So these are great bookmarks. And yeah, now I, I you know, them. and I see them. Oh God, I was in my crafty mode. Thinking as you were saying that, how um, Shay, who for those of you who don't know, is uh, my kid's dad, and he often gets frustrated with me on the weekends because as soon as I'm with the important people, I've got my little children there, I literally turn off my phone and I leave it at home and he'll be like, you're a mother! You need a phone on you! You're taking our kids into the woods and I just laugh so hard, but it feels so good Mm -hmm. to be 
just with the kids holding hands and not a phone. Yeah. And nature. what about the mothers that were like pioneers <laughs> that never had a phone? <laughs> what about all the people that actually did all of those things and didn't even have a way to communicate? A letter would take six or eight months. Yeah. You just there start writing letters on the weekend. I should, I should write letters. <laughs> write letters. Dear Devin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I hope you are well. Yeah. <laughs> Shay, we'll be there at four. Yeah. Post note. Post note. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He gets it on like Tuesday. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, at the fastest. Earliest. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably be like. But where, yeah, so I don't know, the, the space to not think. And that's why I like this idea of inquiry over teaching. And, mm. and there are times that we need teachings. I know that tools. But often someone will say, well, what are your tools? And I'm like, oh, good God. The tools are your own, your yeah. practices, so that you can figure out what you need now and what mm-hmm. you need now mm-hmm. and what you need now. And where is it that it's a breath? Where is it it's complete rest? Where is it it's even Netflix? Mm-hmm. Like, where is that time? It's just not 99.9. I had this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had this experience the other day of, um, so I don't, there's a TV in the house downstairs and I actually have never used it. I don't know how to use it. Uh, but I do once in a while watch Netflix and I hadn't watched it for, I don't know, like not on purpose or not, not on purpose. I probably hadn't watched anything for four weeks or five weeks. And then Deborah turned me on to this show called Pieces of Her. I haven't seen that oh one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who's an amazing actress. Okay, I'm writing it down. Yeah, no. And it's so suspenseful. I say it's, it's not dark. even suspenseful. I'm like, it's, it's dark. scary. We just it's finished just it scary. last night. Oh, come on. It's Mom so was good. lying beside me in the hotel room last night and she had her hands like this. She goes, he's behind her. He's behind her. And I was like, why is she still in that hotel room? Why does everybody keep going into the hotel room? <laughs> so, but why are they staying there it, while they go through what they need to go through? Just get, get out. out. Get yeah. what you need and get out. Yeah. But I was, you know, so I had this experience on immersion. I had, a, I did a team immersion before that. So I've been, you know, deeply in inquiry and immersion. And when others, when I am holding space for inquiry, I am doing my own inquiry all of the time. I'm having to do my own work to hold space. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can hold space properly if you're not in complete consideration. But I hadn't sort of had that space of a moment. I do outdoor space. I do yoga space. I do very good meal space. But the nothingness mm-hmm. of Netflix. And I literally, in the middle of it, thought, I don't know who I am right now. Mm-hmm. Because I haven't been in Enough. that moment. Like, I, I remember going... I wonder if I can stop watching this. I wonder if I can start what, like I literally had a moment where I didn't know where me was versus the universe versus the I. And it was because I was like being fairly entertained. <laughs> but I was like, ah, yeah, that feeling, you know, well, the emptiness to, of, of meditation in mm-hmm. interaction with Netflix. Yeah. Well, like going to an amazing concert at a festival, that's that feeling, the positive feeling of losing yourself. Where yeah. it's like, yourself, it's, right? You're not like in the, the space, occupying the totally. space. You're just like. <sighs> You're part and, of it. Yeah. Yes. Right. The yeah. complete freedom so of that good. moment without any anything except for the freedom of that moment. That's mountain biking for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's many things for me. We, we talked about that idea of, of ceremony. For me, that's just like ritual and not having to understand. Yeah. Not having to be in charge of much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I like that what you just said, not needing to understand. Because uh-huh. we try to like put everything into a box and sometimes we don't need to understand how, no. you know, how the plane flies or how the, no. you know. 
And yeah, I think we said that about nature is like, sure, you can read all the science, but really when you're in it, it none of the science even makes sense yeah. anymore. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. Really It doesn't matter. make sense. It doesn't... Cause Who needs the science anyway? Throw it out. So I think that with other, where don't we have to understand what others saying? Yes. What about if they just are? Yeah. What if that, acceptance. that's acceptance, you know? Yeah. Accept, release, allow, you know? Just all of those things. Just take it in and be with it and you don't even have to do anything with it. Yeah. So that's the beauty. It's washing dishes, doing whatever, uh, laundry, going for a walk, watching a Netflix show. But it's based on that like, openness to the moment and to experience like what is it like be the active participant in it even if that means like losing yourself at a concert or mountain biking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah so i uh, even love the process of cleaning my bike yeah i love cleaning my bike what's <laughs> it's the strangest thing it's like ritual though right mm-hmm. yeah so what does that look like for you like how how does that whether it's the ride or pre post like getting it ready like how does that help you tap into Either a space of like, yeah, self-inquiry or just that kind of like nothing or like freedom. that blank zone. Yeah. yeah, freedom. Is it a ritual of self-love in some ways because it's like emphasizing something that you love for yourself and preparing yourself for like another experience of adventure? Well, yeah, and and self-regulation because I know what it gives me. Every time I get on my bike, I... I'm reminded of how courageous I am every time I'm on my mm. bike. I've seen some of those videos of you on, on the social medias. And I'm like, holy fuck, like that's crazy. <laughs> like some of the drops you've done. And, I, and, I've, and I've thought that. And we were talking um, about the two of you before you guys got here. And I was that's like, why? <laughs> just, wait, just, wait, just wait till I say this. this, this. <laughs> I was saying if I were to describe Devin with one word, it would be brave. Yeah. And. Um, you know, I think that's in, in some ways a learned behavior from, from your mom, but you've gone into life with bravery and like in every corner, in every aspect, whether that's mountain biking or relationships or cold plunges or parenting. Mm. And that's something that I, I really admire mm. about you. And I just you. wanted to share that. No, I think that's a... My word for Judy would be octopus. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, yeah, definitely mountain biking has been just an incredible... Um, and an incredible gift and, and way to to tap into my courage and to do to do things where I am constantly reminded that it's like all about what I believe I can do. Mm. Mm. That's how I get down that janky rock path or that's how I get down that rock pole. And let me tell you, if I don't believe I can do it, it won't fucking happen. <laughs> yeah. And it hurts when you fall. When are you fall? Um, and it's, it's so funny. I, I, and I have learned to, to be aware of myself on those days where I am not believing and I will not do the rock wall because I will fall if I am not believing mm. I can do the rock wall. Mm-hmm. It's funny about, I was thinking about bikes because one of the things, you know, we both live at Whistler and we also got like um, electric, like cruiser bikes too. And so on a summer night, Devin will come with the kids on the her big, um, 
her big cargo bike and I'll come rad in. Wagon. And, and rad wagon. Rad bikes all the way at Whistler for kids. And then, you know, Dennis might come, who's the kid's grandpa, and I might come and from all different areas on our bikes. And I thought, I, I didn't actually have a bike as a child. I don't know how I got missed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just another thing that my parents didn't do for me. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they did so much. But, um, is, uh, but there's something about being on those cruiser bikes as opposed to my mountain bike which i am not as good, as brave as devon but i do enjoy a lot but there's something about that and that motion and that whoosh of like the air past you and i thought how is that even though i didn't experience that as a child how is that so synonymous with just like free mm-hmm. you know just there's there's something in that motion oh yeah yeah and 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 because there's no like not with running i i used to be quite a big runner i love it and there's a freedom in that too but there's also a um there's a constriction as your you know as your muscles are trying to support you and your bones are trying to support you and in biking it's like there's such freedom and such whoosh and all of a sudden mm. you're there and you start you know i don't know there's something there's been something pretty magical about it. And I've never taken anybody on those um, electric bikes without them literally Fair being not. giddy within the first They're like minutes. teenage freedom. Totally. Yeah. Like yeah. we're out. <laughs> we're going, you know. I, I still feel that. Uh, I'm not like a brave mountain biker like you, but I, I'm into the road cycling and the gravel cycling. And I feel that sense of freedom and possibility whenever I go. I'm like, you know, you go turn left instead of right and, you know, the whole world changes. The whole world also, changes. Also, what's so, so different crazy. about any kind of biking than than running, particularly though um, gravel and mountain, though the same applies for road biking. And it's what's so different than, say, running or hiking is that you're getting a different perspective and experience. So, like, that climb up the hill is a completely different experience and takes something different than what the ride down is going to take. Mm-hmm. And and so like even even what you're doing with yourself, right? Like mm. when you're running, you're always you're moving your hands and you're moving your feet while well, you're if you're a really good runner, you're not moving your hands, you're doing this. Right. Right. <laughs> you look like a velociraptor. We need, we need some video here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Devin? I'm really good at running, actually. Um, and what's so cool about mountain biking is it, it's like you earned your turns, as we say. Yeah. Like you earn it. You earn that free play moment of whoosh where suddenly, um, yeah, your experience totally changes and it is it is just extraordinary fun it is i just delight in it it doesn't matter whether i do it by myself for hours or with groups of friends it is just the most insane fun and so challenging and yeah gives gives get the gifts keep giving yeah getting back up when you fall down too oh my gosh yeah and you the whole time you know the the only the only thing is that I, I want to write things down sometimes because that's when mm. I also have like these mm. epiphanies and I'm not in my head. You can't be in your head because no, you have to be looking out there. 10 feet in front of you and scanning back or you're going to bonk yourself <laughs> yeah. on the next corner. But that sometimes when I have these great 
epiphanies about all everything, everything in life, everything that I um, care about. Mm -hmm. And that my only um, complaint is that you can't write things down. And <laughs> I don't want to take Siri with me, so I'm not yeah. going to be talking to her while I'm on my bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Zach said he's down, so. I'm down. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be your note taker. <laughs> I'll be your note taker. <laughs> <laughs> show, me, show me the trails and I'll take your notes. <laughs> down for sure yeah, yeah no it, anything that you I think with I, I had started rock climbing a little bit not a lot um you know with the infamous Ross um Berg from Altus but is uh that was the one thing even though we do it at the end of the day I'd really like to try it in the middle of the day because I'm usually up so early I realized I could think of nothing when I was climbing outdoors mm -hmm. nothing you hyper present you're just yeah it all went you know and I thought that those are the beautiful moments where really there is nothing but exactly. And there, and there was, there's not even any kids or grandkids or, you know, or immersion people. There's no one. There's just me and that rock. And can I make it to the next thing? Or is Ross going to have to <laughs> pretend Hoist that I'm making it? <laughs> but that, there is the beauty of that, of this, this requires my pure presence. And so how is it that we can move the presence of, um, going down on a mountain bike or the presence of that rock into that moment with um, a loved one. Yeah. Or doing you know, the dishes or whatever. Or, or yeah, into just common. pure presence of, yeah. of this is now just this. Mm -hmm. And even being thankful for the mundane. One, I mean, this isn't the answer, but one small thing that I find is like um, eye contact. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like if I'm having a conversation with someone, are they also looking at their phone? Are they looking right. at people watching but if i'm like if we're making eye contact with each other then it's there's yeah. some sort of hopefully <laughs> you know <laughs> you could just be like absently you know making eye contact but i i feel for the most part when you connect eye to eye there yeah. is a, a a here and now in that yeah. connection that's yeah. yeah such a good point i actually remember i think it was at brew we had to like look into each look other's in, eyes for and you. it was like so uncomfortable you know, I know to like, which is so funny to me, that, like, that's what I'm uh, what yeah. meaning. Like it's it's crazy how it's we've gotten to the state where it's uncomfortable to, to actually look be at someone in presence, in connection and in presence with somebody. Yeah. yeah, and then the whole thing about touch too is, I mean, I touch isn't for everyone for sure. One of the guys at the immersion was like, yeah, I'm not really comfortable with touch. I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong immersion. <laughs> but Bring out all the feathers. Anyway, and exactly. Yeah. Sorry. But that idea of um, of touch is where it's okay to, and I'm, of course, not talking about inappropriate touch, but we're, we're not supposed to put our hands on shoulders. We're not supposed to do all of these things of, and then the, then there's all these superficial kisses. Like, I'm like, what, you know, where is that sort of, mm -hmm. that intimacy of touch that isn't about the superficialness of like, oh, like, hey, hi, hi, love ya, love ya, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, but where is that? Well, that, that begs something so fascinating, which is this, this, the, the loss of intimacy to hypersexualization, which is mm -hmm. my perspective on why touch is so uncomfortable for so many people and it's this idea of moving and continuing to move into a world of hypersexualization where everything we start to see and view every thing that that could feel 
intimate as sexual mm-hmm. and as we know a lot of peer a lot of people have had really um, complicated experiences in that realm and then we lose intimacy and intimacy and sex have nothing to do with each other mm-hmm. no they they can they can yeah. they you can that in those moments you that can you bring them to have sex you that they, you, yes, there's intimacy that it, as well you yes exactly and there right. cannot be as also a choice <laughs> but really like they're they're two beautiful and unique things that we can choose to bring together and 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 there can also just be intimacy between two strangers or two people who love each other or and this idea of like when as Zach's saying when we connect when our eyes connect when we're together the four of us there's you know there's the energy of each of us individually and then there's like this and this and this and then it goes all these ways and then there's four of us and then there's the energy between you and I between you and I between you and I you guys you guys and the four of us together yeah. so we actually it compounds and then you have this like deep and beautiful and enriching experience that um you know should be something that we continue to learn to to foster and enjoy, but we lose it when we don't allow for intimacy and the idea that two completely platonic friends, whether they're of the same gender or not, or orientation or not, can love each other deeply and can share intimacy. That two total dudes that are like bros can hold hands Mm. and should. Like that is so beautiful. But we've just made everything so sexual and we actually just need to preserve intimacy. We need to preserve all these little moments from eye contact down to hand holding to embracing and all kinds of physical touch, sharing space. And it's interesting when, uh, and then there's the idea of what's masculine versus what's feminine and all of those things that are sort of overlaid onto that. I was thinking the other day, one of the most beautiful masculine moments I've seen in the last you know little little while last few years was two guys that were um friends that wrapped their arms around each other like like you would a partner like you would an intimate partner you know both both heterosexual guys and one was having a cry and the other one like put his arm around him and I was like I've never seen anything more masculine Mm -hmm. in a beautiful Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and so even those ideas of what that all means Mm -hmm. and you know, where we start to, this idea that if sexuality exists in our bodies and in all these things that we sort of, in these energies that we don't even name, like hormones and all those things, is that it is the the actual action or articulation of that that is the problem. It's not the feeling of that. Yeah. And so we feel shameful of the feeling and then that creates a whole cycle when we can have lots of thoughts that we don't ever, ever action. We have thoughts of meanness and thoughts of, and they're just thoughts and we can mm-hmm. look at them and go, wow, that's a weird one and let that one go. Mm-hmm. Let it pass like a cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let it pass, let it just go by. Yeah. Just gonna open the water. Yeah. <laughs> crack, crack it open. I, I love this, this topic of intimacy versus um, sexualizing things because I think 
we need to, as a society, find intimacy again. And that can be conversation, that can be holding hands, that can be sharing a look, that can be, you know, so many things that are not sex. And it can be sex. Um, and I, like I was thinking, just from my own experiences, like when I traveled in India and men hold hands there. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. Be- and it's beautiful. Italy too. There's areas yeah. in Italy that men just hold hands. So yeah. many places. And I remember getting there and I'd go into a store and some man would come up and hold my hand and I'd be shocked and uncomfortable at first. Right. And then when I got to a point where I understood the, the beauty of it, I'd be, you know, I'd get into a shop and I'd be like, Oh, why isn't he holding my hand now? You know, like, like, is there something that I'm doing that? Like, <laughs> what did I, I do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But just like understanding the the beauty of intimacy and how it, it doesn't need to be sexual. It can be a connection that... Um, and it can, can be momentary. It doesn't have to yes. go on forever. Yes. It doesn't have to create a relationship beyond that moment yes. in time. You can and live in that moment. You can live in that moment. You can have that that intersection with somebody and you can also release it. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the thing when we go back to social, it says every time we interact with someone, we now have to become some sort of friends with them in some sort of atmosphere. They're called social. What about if we just meet someone and we're like, darn, that was amazing. I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. If it's meant to be, we'll intersect again and and it will, it will, you know, I often say like, what's your intention in texting that person? What's your actual intention? Yeah, you why just can't met we just them at something be beautiful. Yeah, just let it be beautiful mm-hmm. and if it's meant to be more it'll be it'll be more. And I think as you get older you find out you can actually there's you know less and deeper is often the way to go and then leaving that sort of not second tier but second beautiful circle of these moment to moment interactions that and holding presence for them without making them more or less is important. Yeah. Well, if anything, if anything, like these kind of like uh, more peripheral connections that we have, they're not like enhancing our lives in the same way that the the intimate ones are. And by having all of this multitude of peripheral that really, if you started looking at people's like, you know, screen time or calendar, how they spent their day, we're giving far more attention to the peripheral circle than we often are to that intimate circle. And then we're wondering why like things are breaking down or not working as well in that close circle. circle. Mm-hmm. And like... It never used to be that way because like that peripheral circle was really small as opposed to the people that we actually can like be with and know and see. And now we're trying to like have both. And it's I don't even think we're seeing like the deleterious effects of of how we're investing so much time outside of like those intimate relationships. Well, kind of the things like you that old kind of thing of like we those we love most are the ones we treat the worst. Yes. Like what if we flipped that? Because mm-hmm. when we look at... Treat of, everyone else shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gently suggesting to Devin that she loved me the most. <laughs> you should treat those that are closest to you the best. <laughs> no, but what... Because when we look at sort of um, ancestral kind of harm and lineage harm and familial and cultural harm, is that's often the way, is if mm-hmm. we actually treated those that that were around us with the utmost care that we will often treat others with it's sort of like the you know that um idea of like sort of intimacy breeds contempt the idea that the more we get to know each other is that we start to find all the flaws in each other and so what if that's true (laughs) 
And what if we get over ourselves mm-hmm. in that? What if that's true? What if is, you know, after, I think there's a, what was the book called? Someone was just talking to me about Tom. the, uh, Tom, do you remember what the book was called? I feel he like we need to remember. phone a friend. <laughs> yeah. He didn't remember. He didn't remember. But, and he remembered what it was Show kind notes. of about. Yeah. But, Some book Tom talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's that idea of, um, we sometimes have these like, you know, these these relationships that come together, these intimate and often sexual relationships, and they're so big and you, they're the pinnacle's so high. And then, you know, that might take six months or eight months. And then we start to go, oh my God, they like eat too loudly and they, you know, don't do this, don't do this. And then there's these other relationships that never really meet the pinnacle, but they don't drop mm-hmm. with the same intensity either. And maybe we need all sorts of relationships in our life. Maybe mm-hmm. we need to see, and maybe those relationships happen at different times in our life. The, you know, sometimes that, that wow, mm-hmm. this has got to happen. Maybe that's really important as a younger person. Mm-hmm. And maybe at different times in your life, it's not as important because it's the continuity of the relationship, mm-hmm. the, the deep care that's important. I was remembering these two beautiful people in my life as you were talking who I haven't seen in far too long because they moved back to Saudi Arabia um, and it's it's so strange to be our age in your 30s and to have friends who have had an arranged marriage and they are one of the most exceptional couples I've ever met in my life there is a reverence and like beyond respect and for each other that is palpable that you're like give me some of that yeah. when you're with them yeah. um and i just i remember sharing space with them on this very special experience um, for a week and a bit many years ago right right at the time that i met shay so just about nine years ago and just sharing space with them for that long and watching how they moved how they honored each other in every little thing that they did and hearing their story of how they met and indeed it was a book was opened the book was produced by the family that had already you know curated and narrowed down to who would be appropriate and Mm -hmm. make sense for their son and then the choice was made and then they were informed and then they were later married and um Hmm to share that space with them and to feel uh, still the most reverence that I've ever seen between two people and to think that that is something they cultivated. That is not something that was just there. Mm-hmm. It was not something that was just there. It is also yeah. good proof that your parents should always choose who you marry. Well, I, going back to the India trip, I remember sitting on a train because arranged ma- marriages are very common in yeah. India. And this, this guy talking to us and asking if our parents would arrange our marriages or if we would have quote unquote passion or love marriages. Mm. And we said, well, we'll have love marriages. And they go, well, they won't work then. <laughs> because, because, and we're like, oh, yeah. And he's like, well, think about it. Like passion is like doesn't last forever. But ration does. And your parents are thinking rationally about who you are and who you're going to be and, you know, what would complement and amplify the life that you're hoping for yourself. And your parents are taking that very practical approach for the most part, whereas we're just like mostly acting on passion and lust and all these other things when we're when we're young. 
that are often have no rationality whatsoever. Mm. So he's like, my my marriage will last, and yours probably won't. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks for that. So <laughs> he, and he was like, think think about think about me think when, about you, when, when your marriage doesn't work, and I, you know. <laughs> oh, um, no. Not to say that, you know, love marriages don't work, but I just remember that being at, uh, I was 23 or whatever at the time, and it opened my perspective to other possibilities. But also, what is, doesn't work and does work? That, I mean, that in itself is a whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, yeah. like I it. said, what about if you have a beautiful relationship and that relationship has a different season to it? What, is that right. a relationship that didn't work or is that a relationship that worked beautifully? And what about if you stay in a relationship that is, you know, not bad nor good, but it doesn't help, you know, you're not evolving as a person. Yes. I mean, that the, the definition of good and bad and right and wrong, yes. and also the, the definition of marriage and the definition of relationship itself yes. are all interesting ones. Yeah, let's I, get into that. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested. <laughs> well, again, I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about this right now because I just, I'm thinking it all needs to be considered quite mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that in a time where we're, you know, if we look at this idea of coupledom as it relates to marriage, let's don't worry about married or not married, and this idea of eternity or forever in our life, and we look about where the marriage concept even came from, it, it didn't come from a world of now. Mm-hmm. It came from a world of ownership and understanding what was best for the city or the country or the, well, you know. And let's be frank, like, that is actually still the world of now, but it's not where we need to go. Mm. Right. Yeah. But I don't even know if it's too much that world. I mean, that was very clear. You're going to bring this land, and we got this land, and this is going to be great because now we'll own all of this together mm-hmm. as yeah, opposed is, to it's, it's a business partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a business, yeah. Yeah. Business partnership. And, um, and, and what is required now and what does serve both. And if we say, if we do choose a marriage-like relationship that says some form of the words, whether they're the, you know, the ones we're all used to, you know, forever and ever, amen, is, um, you know, I'll, I'll for rich or poor or whatever, does that actually have to be in that marriage-like relationship? Mm-hmm. Or are we saying, I love you so much that I will continue to love you in your growth and evolution, even if it's not with me? Can we get to that point? And then kind of keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best <laughs> that yeah. it will be forever if that's important to people. Yeah. But... Uh, so where is that conversation then if we're just already going to a future state that assumes that we're going to be forever together does that mean that we're sitting in the presence of now and in the awareness of now because we already got it figured out we're going to be together for five years so if my next five years I'm like not all that great don't you know it's cool we've already agreed that it's forever Mm -hmm. um and that idea of here is the, you know, kind of like we said at this table, why I love being in yoga, why when you're at Jaybird, you're on your mat and you are you on your mat. And there's the person next to you and they are them. And then we're all we. Mm -hmm. And so what about where that happens in relationship where there's care of self, care of other, and care of this other thing called relationship? So what, 
often in friends, like if I think of my relationship with you, Zach, there is a caring of, um, you know, I'm assuming you're taking care of yourself. I'm hoping I take care of myself. You know, that idea of like the way I can love you is like by doing my own work and the way you can love me is by doing your own work. And then there's a care of the relationship that's separate and apart from even a care of you when you will give me a smoothie or I will bring, you know, something to you. That's a care of other, but the care of the relationship is making sure we touch bases with each mm -hmm. other, checking in when something's up. So if we think about it that way, then we're not like, oh, in partnership, well, I washed your car, so I cared for the relationship. Well, no, that may or may not be in care for me, but it wasn't care the for the relationship. The car needed to get back. <laughs> yes. And we honest. live together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but we're, and not just in intimate and, and marriage-like relationships, but in relationships, period, in work relationships. Mm -hmm. Where well, is it? Where's that agreement around that? Where is it that I know I'm putting in care for, you know, for the relationship uh, with the company versus what I'm getting paid for? Yeah. Yeah. Or what I can get out of it. Right. Yeah. So I think so often we do we do something and there are strings attached or there's an outcome in mind or it's like, oh, I'll do this and therefore you will then do this or the right. expectation is that in return for washing the car or whatever yeah. it would be it's like then this thing will happen um, or it's now now it's your turn to like express care for me whereas like true love and care is like not attached to the outcome of like what that other we person we learned does. that a few times ago and you were going to practice it how's that going yeah. <laughs> yeah. bringing it up again yeah. I, think, I think it's going well it's going well yes as yeah. I'm like reflecting over the last few months yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think each of us always can be better every day, every moment. Yeah. But yes, learning that like non-transactional. Yeah, and yeah. and celebrating that like growth and change is is always good. Right. Always good. And then sometimes there is clear transaction. I am, you know, using the vendor that brings me the vegetables so that we can make smoothies and so I am paying you. This is the vegetable I like. That's the what. The how is our humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, the how is our humanity, our, our reflection of our own humanity. When they come to the door, I say, hey, how are you doing? Like you know, the approach. The approach, yeah, take. the way in which. And then there's agreement. But often I think we believe we're in agreement with somebody where the agreement's never been stated nor agreed to by the other person. Right. My it's agreement not a real with agreement. Your... No, it's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, just it's an, an agreement. It's my agreement yeah. with you <laughs> that you didn't have with me. Mm -hmm. So I, I think all of those things are up for grabs. And even the fluidity of, of sexuality, I mean, we've seen that so much um, become present. But are we still, we're still sort of saying you're choosing. You're either choosing that, you know, you're binary, non-binary, or, but what about if you're anything and all of those things, and they may change at different times in your life? I don't know <laughs> if I was ever taught that, mm. that it could be one way. And right now, if you were asking me which way I was oriented, um, I think I'm oriented is towards hotter. <laughs> <laughs> not, your, not your typical mother-daughter conversation. <laughs> What is, I, I remember having a conversation with somebody who is in a, um, a queer relationship, a, a woman, and 
when she was younger, as often happens, she sort of was thinking she needed to be in heterosexual relationships and showing that to parents and those that were watching, knowing that she actually, her attraction was towards females, got in those relationships. And now, I don't know how old she is, 40-whatever, she's in a relationship with a woman who's the most gorgeous woman ever. Um, and she's like, yeah, but if I wasn't in relationship with this person, I would just be in relationship with who I love. Mm. And it has nothing to do with what their gender is. And I think, I would hope that that's the message we give to kids even more than like, you can be anything you want to be, which I like go down that track sometimes with Rosa and Clooney. I'm mm. so grateful that I have um, like you to back me up in that because frankly, even me and you saying that to Clooney and Rosen is not enough and I can see it all the time because what's reflected back at them in society and in media and even in you know the books, the, there are just not a whole lot of resources that are really showing you this possibility and it, how often I find myself correcting them to say, and whichever person you choose to love instead of girl or boy or inserting something, even when in fact, you know, they'll sometimes correct us and say, well, da, 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 da. Yeah. and then in between, if weeks it hasn't come up, whatever they've been consuming or interfaced with the most then starts to take back over. And I, I'm just so grateful that, you know, they have you also to, to be reminding them of what's possible because it's just not enough. Like they need so (laughs) much of that all the time because what's happening out there in the world is, is, is wiring the opposite direction. I know you have to start somewhere. So let's just say it's like recognizing that there is a minority that isn't represented in movie or whatever. And maybe we're getting better at that, but until there's actual almost equality on a day-to-day basis, when you see white and when you see black, when you see, you know, um, and it's not about even just being homosexual or queer anymore. It's about the idea of literally being able to be fluid Mm -hmm. and not having to be defined by anything. I think that's so important. And I think about some of the Disney movies and I know they're trying to get better. And, but I'm like, still 90% of time, even like when Mulan or whatever, one of those ones are like, she's like a kick-ass little princess girl well, a she's still a freaking princess but the other thing is that there's always like a boy at the end mm-hmm. she's never like and i am amazing all by myself and i am never going to be with anyone maybe or i'll be with whoever i want on different days <laughs> like they don't that's still not happening right yeah. and so until right. there's that how is it that i don't i believe that talking is just like you said it's a start but I agree with you. It's not enough. No, it's not. Yeah. It needs to be representation think, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people are like still afraid of like, oh, it's like confusing for the children and upsetting or whatever. But like literally last week, my kids were watching a show. Uh, I can't even, I don't even know what it was, but the one of the characters had two dads and it's like this like mm-hmm. fantasy show. So it turns out, I mean, maybe it's like a little tongue in cheek or whatever, but the girl was um, like a Egyptian pharaoh. It's like in a mm. museum or something. Yeah, yeah. And so her dads were two mummies. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like the writers had some Very fun, fun with that yeah. one. But they had this whole song about how, you know, the dad, mm. like she was, it was their birthday or something and she was trying to get them the gift and all of these people because they were like 
pharaohs or whatever were bringing them these amazing gifts and the little girl was like how can i do anything better i just made them each a necklace and they did this whole song about how they're they're her dads and she's the gift and she doesn't have to get them anything and da-da-da, we love you and then my one daughter's like wait she has two dads i was like yeah that's like you know we've talked about before like some families have two moms and two dads and some have one mom and one dad and mom and dad whatever all families look different and she's like oh okay it, next she yeah her worldview wasn't no. rocked no. she wasn't like so confused it no. was just like, oh that person has yeah. two dads and it's like yeah okay and then the next thing is like i said the expansion of that to me doesn't even talk about gender or sexual orientation it talks about the fact that a kid can be in a family whatever that family dynamic looks like and actually their definition of family is so much broader than that it's any adult that drops into my world and f- loves me and wants to care for me and wants to be have responsibility for holding me as I grow up. Yeah. The other day, Rosen, most of the like amazing things he says are while he's pooing. And <laughs> he was having his evening poo and um, he he's, you know, always keeps the door open so he can talk to you, <laughs> while, like, be a part of things yeah, while of he's pooping. And he's like, Mom, I'm in the kitchen. He's like, you know, I don't know anyone else who has as many aunts and uncles as me and Clooney. Clooney, aren't we so lucky that we have so many aunts and uncles? And it's totally because of that. And then they start listing their aunts and uncles. And they cannot delineate who is a real brother or not a real brother. Or It's like irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It's irrelevant. These people care for me and I care for them. Right. And yeah. and they've also, that we talked earlier about connection. They are also can have a single beautiful connection with somebody and assume they're now part of the family mm-hmm. yeah. because of the way they were treated and the way the energy went and the way the engagement was, mm-hmm. you know, so. And care for them deeply. Yeah. And yeah. care for them deeply and think they're, you know, be like, oh, I can't wait to see that person again. Mm-hmm. So I think it's when we keep expanding even the family model to go, you know, your family is well what if your family is everybody we're all mm-hmm. family we are all a family and so if that's the truth then maybe that's also where we start to reflect and inquire in the way that we treat people period yeah yeah absolutely i mean i about a month ago i was on the gondola and um getting my end of day lap and um my after work lap and at mid-station, two folks got on the gondola, and one sat across from me and was in their sort of 60s. Um, one sat beside me who was in early 20s. And within a, mi- a minute of the gondola doors closing, the woman uh, piped up and said to the young man, like, you- you're supposed to be wearing your mask. Pull your mask up. And then... I saw him adjust his face. He said nothing. And, and, and then two seconds later, she says it again. And this time, more cruel, more meaner, louder. And I looked at them and I said, oh, are you riding together? And she said, no, I wouldn't be riding with him. And I said, oh, because it occurs to me that you're talking to him so rudely i couldn't have possibly expected that you didn't know him 
that you didn't know something about him or his intent. And I just see a guy who looks like he's trying his best to keep his mask up. And so we've got a four-minute gondola ride from mid-station to the top together. So what do you say? Let's enjoy it. Where are you from? What, like, what run are you going to do next? And it, it was so baffling to me that when I got off the gondola and she had adjusted her energy and, and then started to engage in a conversation, the young man turned to me and he literally threw his arms around me and he said, there just hasn't been many kind people on this gondola lately. I'm a lifty. I'm 23. I've been here for about four weeks. And this happens every second of every day. And nobody has ever stood up for me today like you did. Thank you so much. And we just hugged there, two total strangers. And that was love and intimacy. It was love. That was real love. Just two people embracing and Mm -hmm. connecting. And, And even... I hope that what that woman felt in my response was also love and compassion. I wasn't angry at her for getting angry at him, but I wanted her to know that I don't think the feeling that was being felt was the feeling she intended, you know? And I just thought, wow, this is, it is possible that even when people are mean and cruel, Mm -hmm. we can respond with love. It is possible. Not always, but it is possible. Yeah, it's not always available to us, but right. it is possible. That's yeah. a good, yeah. Yeah, and when can we just sit in ourselves and go, what is this, why does this call for anything but grace? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, why does it call for anything but grace? So that's my relationship thing. Everybody should just do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. I like it. As I like long it. as it's with integrity, as long as it's with, you know. Transparency. And, and yeah. kind of like we talked about earlier in my idea as Devin was growing up, whether it was the right one or wrong one, is, you know, have a couple of agreements. Let her know their agreements. Get her to agree with the agreements. Mm-hmm. And everything else, she's going to have to sort in herself. I can actually remember... Um, since you all guys went to the same school, there was in uh, well, neighboring in, in yeah, yes. yeah in high competing school, high school. competing <laughs> high schools. There was a moment when Devin was in about grade nine, where a couple of her friends, um, and at that time, Stevenson had a lot of co-op housing. Do you mm-hmm. remember it? A lot of yep. co-op housing. Mm-hmm. And one of her friends was, um, you know, a kid that was uh, lived in the co-op with a single mom, and he was actually a beautiful person, and yeah, probably was choosing some things that, you know, weren't the best at that moment for his well-being. He maybe smoked a bit too much pot and, you know, but a beautiful human being. And I can remember the um, counselor, who was a great counselor, by the way, a really good counselor, calling me and she said, you know, Devin's, you know, Devin is exactly what she is now, which is like engaging and, you know, bad at math. <laughs> she's actually good at math now, but only, only as it's got to do with budgets business. and financials. Yeah. And that's 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 that. If I'm adding it. up a, you know, she's, still, she's like, like six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, <laughs> like, but, um, and, and kind and fun. And she said, Devin's all these things, but you know, there's a couple of people she's hanging out with that are bad kids. And I took a deep breath in and I was like, I'm so confused. How are they bad? And she said, well, you know, they're um, from single families and they're not maybe as, um, they don't have as much responsibility within their, like from their parents and, um, you know, maybe making some choices around pot. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound bad to me. 
you know, and eventually I said, so you think this girl over here, who's like the cheerleader and whatever, I think she's actually one of the most unkind young women I've met. So you're basing someone's goodness or badness on their circumstance and their situation and a couple of their choices for sure. Mm -hmm. And I said, so here's what I think is that Devin's going to have to sort for herself what her life looks like. She's going to have to sort for herself. And the the counselor was so great because she turned and she said, thank you for reminding me that most kids are just not bad. I was like, most kids are not bad. Mm -hmm. And circumstance and situation can be risky for sure. But I don't want, I hope that my family doesn't close their doors to people because of circumstance and situation. You know, so I think it's that. It's like, what is it that we, what are we alive to? What are we allowing? What is it that we're recognizing? And where are we in just... We can have beautiful fences around behavior. I know some people that are super successful that are good people too, but I don't like their behavior. Mm-hmm. And their mm-hmm. circumstances and their situation would suggest that there should be no problem. Mm-hmm. So where is it we can sit in that um, discernment without judgment? Where is it we can sit in that uh, clarity and independence of belief and thought and still allow others there? And then where can we sit in grace? Of, of our words and even if we're gently saying to someone I'm not up and able for you to use that language in front of me mm-hmm. as opposed to it being you know um, aggressive or... even yesterday at the dentist with Rosie and Clooney um, the uh, hygienist uh, asked a couple questions about Shay and um, and the family and Whistler and um, the neighborhoods that we lived and and she said, oh, where do you guys all live? And of course, I'm like, well, there's four neighborhoods because there are four houses and four people. And, and um, she said, um, oh, so oh, so I didn't, I didn't realize you had a separated family. And I just said, oh, we just don't use that language. Mm-mm. We just don't use that language. We're not a, we're, how are we a separated family? We are absolutely 100% a family. And actually, if you looked at the last 12 months and compared it to four years ago, I think we're doing a pretty damn good job of our family energy compared to what that family energy felt like sometimes three or four years ago or even two two years ago. Yeah. And it's so interesting, A, how important language is, um, that the idea of a family still like looks and sounds one way in the world when the crazy thing is it's mostly not yes right it's mostly not so why are we doing that to ourselves yeah how bonkers it's mostly not and yet we orient back to this one way and this specific set of language and and making these promises to each other that are not about the depth of us and the growth in each moment and our our dedication to moving through the trenches of life together and holding each other accountable to our best selves, but it's to love you forever. How does that make any sense? I think that, you know, I have, because we've talked about it before, I have a real hard time with the word separated because that isn't my experience. Um, we may live in different households, but I don't know if that's separate. We definitely, there's a lot of real estate <laughs> happening. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's really good for the kids. They're always in choice. But, um, but the other thing that I have a really hard time with is the word X. 
especially when there's children involved, like that's my ex-wife or my ex, because I'm listening, I'm thinking that child's hearing you say mm-hmm. ex, mm-hmm. and most exes are not good. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'll excommunicate you, yeah, I will yeah. expel you, yeah. and you get a check mark yeah, or you it, get an ex. exactly. Yeah. And I'm thinking of that language, and so like dejected, yeah, like ex. As opposed to, like, uh, we'll use the words of, like, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, the kid's dad Mm -hmm. or that's, you know, Mm -hmm. their grandpa, their grandpa, or that is even Devin's biological father, who who I haven't been in relationship for a long time. I never, I don't think I've ever called him my ex. Mm -mm. You know, um, he was, he's Devin's dad, biological father, and he's not an ex anything. So that language and that, can you imagine our kids hear all of that? Mm-hmm. All of this divisive, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. language of division. Mm-hmm. This language of division. You're either in, you're out, you're good, you're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're always all on a scale <laughs> of all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, the, the importance of the um, care of language, and especially as we talk about it with um, younger people, is... Uh, yeah, I don't think we've spent uh, paid enough attention to that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the other day, Clooney and Rosen were um, having just a, a tough afternoon, and in you know, not in their kindness and softness and all the beautiful things about them, and just being like absolute shits. <laughs> 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 and I looked at them both and. I raised my voice a little bit and I I looked at them both and said, you know, this thing needs to stop. I am not feeling good right now. I am not enjoying myself. What you said, this behavior that you just did, it was cruel. It made mommy feel this way. And I am not enjoying my experience right now. And, And the kids both, you know, apologize. And a few minutes later, as we're walking, holding hands, Clooney looks up at me and she has tears in her eyes and she said, well, I'm just just really sad that you're not enjoying your time with me and Rosen right now. And I said, sweetheart, I love you even when I'm not enjoying a moment with you, even when you've been cruel or kind or you've said something hurtful to mommy or your brother. I love you just like when I make a rule that you don't like and you're not enjoying that rule. You don't not love me. And it's going to be through you and I letting each other know when things are not working that we're going to improve things together. And we will always love each other, even when we're not each other's you know, favorite person in the moment. Yeah. And we will always love each other. Like, that's what we do. And... It, it was just, it was so interesting, like that enmeshing of like all the good feelings are supposed to happen synonymously or be together all at once. And it's mostly a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just giving that, that stability to be like, oh, I can feel not good, but still know that I'm like loved mm-hmm. or I can be not happy with this rule or situation, mm-hmm. but still love that person. Like mm-hmm. that's. I can even be annoyed by that person and love that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's important to give. Like clarity for that because mm-hmm. it's confusing when well I sh- if I love you it should always be good and happy should and, always mm-hmm. be roses yes mm-hmm. roses and sunshine mm-hmm. yeah. yeah which is like the but a good garden needs shit doesn't it 
Oh, good one. <laughs> Just good thought one. of that. <laughs> so good. A new consideration. A new consideration. <laughs> yeah. Things can't grow without. Uh... No, they don't. They don't grow without um, a, a little bit of, of um, and even tilling. Com- you know? Compost. Compost. Yeah. Else. You know. <laughs> no, they absolutely. So where is it that we're um we're just trying to avoid that all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good one about the kids, Dab, just that idea of letting them know that there can be love even when there feels like there's controversy or not alignment. Someone said that to me the other day. I don't feel like we're aligned. And I was like, Oh dude, we do not have to be aligned mm-hmm. yeah. for me to love you and even want for you what you want. I don't even have to agree with you. The fact that you want it, I can want it for you. I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be in all of those places mm-hmm. at once. Yeah. And, I, and I'll sort myself in that. It's not up for you to sort me. I have to need to sort myself in that. What's, uh, what's alive for me and what's not. And what's uh, my own discomfort in my own self above my own being. But you can, I can fully not agree with you and want that for you. I yeah. still love you. Yeah. Should we do a card? Let's do a card. Is okay. there anything on your notepad that we need to read? Okay, I got. Okay. <laughs> can, I do, can I do one more question yeah. and then we can do the cards? Okay. And then we'll, we'll uh, wrap these considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as, as business people and as parents, you know, you guys are both people that look at the, the world and don't necessarily see problems. You see solutions um, or possibilities. And uh, before we started recording, you know, we talked a little bit about climate change. And, I, you know, that's something that can be mm. scary or, or bring anxiety and can can kind of paralyze us to possibility or, or to solution-based thinking. And I think as, as parents and as people mm. inhabiting this earth, it's something that we all need to bring consideration to and, and talk about mm-hmm. um, so that we can move into solution and possibility. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on where where we are and where we need to go um, as citizens of, of the world and mm. as parents mm. well I'm sure that you both feel this way I am um, I, I know that mom would have as well though there w- wasn't the same kind of conversation mm. um, when I was born, when we were all born, um, there wasn't the same clock or awareness. Um, and I just wouldn't have had kids if I didn't feel optimistic and Mm -hmm. if I didn't believe in humanity, I just wouldn't have had kids. And I understand that that's why some people are struggling to, um, to decide whether or not, you know, they will, they will pursue having children if that's what they desire. Uh, but I, fundamentally have optimism about our future and it's because mm-hmm. I don't believe there are bad people. It's because I know with every fiber of our being that when we have experiences and are reminded of our love and of our needing of each other, and each other includes this environment because we can't have humanity without this environment. Can we? <laughs> we just can't. Um, is I just wouldn't have had children. So I, I am fundamentally optimistic. It's certainly um, why I waited at, to start a new business until I landed on an idea like Sphere 
because I knew that um, whatever is getting cultivated now and next, they have to be things that are net positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fundamentally believe that to change the world, we first must change. Mm-hmm. And, and so I gave myself permission to start Sphere because it is one of the ways that I can get up every day and know that I'm doing something to um, be a good ancestor and to cultivate a different outcome for my kids, for our kids. And I, I get excited about the ways that I know we're going to be working with each other <laughs> Just just as I also have those moments of like, in seven years, you won't even be mad about this because it won't even matter. <laughs> there will be other more important things. Like, don't give this one more iota of a second. And sometimes that can feel painful. But then the other feeling that rises for me is the excitement around all the ways that we're going to be working together. Even silly things like... um last summer when the kids and I moved into the cottage and I was getting ready to plant our little garden and Strata was shitting on me for all the things I wanted to plant (laughs) and and I looked at them and I was like I know that it's hard to believe this but one day people are going to get paid to plant their little gardens because that's how bad we need little gardens so I know that Strata hasn't allowed for this in the past, but we are not there, and I need this little garden. So can we make this happen? Yeah. Mm. They're like, why do you need cannabis and psilocybin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. By the way, don't eat that mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or do. I, yeah, yeah, do. That would be better, Depending too. Depending on the time of day. Yeah. Um, you know, Debbie, I think, I believe you. I, one of the things I know about you, and, and I, I do think that if we're gifted anything from those that went before us, I, I said before, I think that's a gift that we were given, um, I was given, and maybe you got an innate and as well as passed on from, from my mom, because she's just one of the most optimistic people I know. Um, and, and I believe optimism is not in, um, like you said, in solutions. I think it's in, in opportunities and possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, the thing that I, I'm so glad you brought it back to what I'm doing every day. There are moments in, in a day or in a week where I am in deep conversation with myself about my consumption, about where consumption, not just like, you know, am I going to throw this cup away that's sitting in front of me, which is right now making me feel disgusting, <laughs> but also just the idea of, Am I understanding where my money is? Am I understanding what that really means? Am I understanding what that's forwarding beyond, you know, my own little moment? And I I think I'm starting to try to be a bit gentle with myself and say, don't pretend that you're doing what you're not. Um, Be clear about where you're trying. Be clear about where you know you need to try harder, even if you can't in this moment, if I don't have bandwidth. And make sure that I'm doing something every day that I feel like if my grandchildren 20 years from now didn't have the same environmental experience, they could still feel like I was doing good work, mm-hmm. you know? 
And so I look at that and I think is when I'm in immersion with 10 men or 10 women or in a room of, you know, 300 people that are listening, not so much lately, but are listening to this stuff is, do I feel like this is um, creative and regenerative work or do I feel like it's extractive? And I, I feel good about that. And that makes means that I don't get to ignore what I'm not doing, but I do give to give myself some grace to give space to that at a different time. I really mm -hmm. feel that way about investments right now. Mm -hmm. Not like, like an old ball and investor, but mm -hmm. these investors that are, you know, my investments that are with like somebody in, like a financial advisor. And I'm like, if I better, if I tore apart each of those things, I don't have any of the obvious things that I wouldn't agree with, but I bet if I tore them all apart, I'd find a couple of things that I wasn't mm -hmm. happy with. Yeah. And I, 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 right this moment, I don't have the bandwidth, but I have talked about it in relationship with, um, you know, the, the grandpa and gone, Hey, this is something that's really alive for me in the next couple of years. The other question is, of course, are you willing to, when it looks at that is uh, friends that care deeply, I'm like, so are you willing to get 1% instead of 8%? Mm -hmm. yeah. And overwhelmingly yeah. the answer is no. I know my answer will be yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I know it yeah. will be. I can feel it. I'm, I already put money into things that I know aren't going to get me anything back because it's still the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So do I feel optimistic? Yes. Do I think that we have to be individually in our awareness and still do the right thing? Yes. Do I, what it, do I think is actually going to change things? I don't think it's going to be individuals. I think it's going to be individuals that hold corporations to a different exactly. responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. One word that we learned recently, and, and maybe we can all adapt it to our language because we've been talking about languages, is uh, climate passion mm -hmm. instead of, you know, climate anxiety or, or, you know, we bring a lot of fear to it. So, like, if you're, you know, you talk about that 1% or you talk about that, you know, community garden in your strata, like, like speaking passionately about these things so that we're bringing passion to these conversations mm -hmm. and to these spaces and, and that passion can, we you know, back to the garden analogy plant those seeds that will give us hope and will be solution based and yeah if we can go from fear and anxiety to passion you know yeah. possibility pa opens up yeah passion and joy right mm -hmm. like if you oh can, yeah if you can be if you can be a passionate and joyful activist mm -hmm. my goodness right. like that changes everything because now you, you're lit up doing the thing that you love and it's not the you know perpetual angry protester that people who don't hear or resonate with the message you're like whatever get off the road you're just annoying right. but if you can have this like joyful exuberant and passionate activism like that i think is like a secret sauce that will really start to motivate and change people and ultimately then those corporations and structures right because it has to start with the individual bring, so, yeah. br bring the intimacy that we we're talking about yeah. into yeah. daily activism and it doesn't have to be you know these grand things that we talk about it can be it, it be can be idea. small things it can be the one percent it can be planting you know a tomato plant that mm -hmm. uh your strata says no to those can be you know <laughs> well yeah and going back to the not being in judgment of self or others and mm -hmm. and what i love so so much about that phrase um climate passion or climate passionate is that, that does more of what's needed, which is rather than trying to convert people, mm. just inviting them along. Yes. Yeah. It's way more intoxicating <laughs> to be like, let's just do do this because this is fun and enjoyable than like trying to drag someone with you. Yeah. I mean, the reflection on that is the whole plant-based movement. It said, 
let's make food enjoyable and beautiful and as appealing, if not more appealing than what has been. And Mm -hmm. we can see how that's resonated in this community. And, you know, thanks to good work of those people like Juice Truck and the Aran Islands and the others of the world. But it's just literally, it's like it... You know, I, I think of it with Tara and Smart Sweets. Mm-hmm. She was like, hey, we should not eat as much sugar because it's yeah. toxic. Yeah. So this three grams of sugar in this pack of candy is less than the 35 that would be normally in candy. And it's also less than most baked goods. So, Well, there's always another option. You there's know? always another option. So like we can have our burger, we can have our candy, right. and we can have this climate that we want to enjoy. We just have to look at our options. Mm-hmm. And choose the one that's not damaging. Right. Because there's always another option. Yeah. That might be, you know, there's, I mean, damaging is probably not the right word because there's, there's like a net effect of every, all of our choices, but, you know, some have a positive. Some have bigger ramifications for them. Yeah. 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 No. Why don't you pull some cards? (laughs) Whoa. Nice. Let's pull a couple cards and then we'll... Okay. Uh, I think we're going to go into the consideration cards this time as opposed to the contemplation. So step away from the poetry for the considerations. But then if time allows, I'll maybe do a quick reading at the end because it's, uh, I think it's an important one. We've been talking about it today. Okay. Let's do it. So I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to give you that one because that cracks me up and I'm going to give you that one. And maybe just looking at... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I was like, give the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> How are these always perfect? <laughs> go. These are always perfect. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah so maybe uh, just read the top and the the sub there, and then answer the question or consider what it means for for you. And these are so funny because they're like literally we just were having this conversation. I know. Wait, do you want to start? Okay. What's your consideration? What if you just stopped? Creating space for options. What do you have gain? Uh, what do you have to gain from just stopping doing what you are doing right now? Yeah, I think that's beautiful. What would you stop right now? What would? Is it a conversation in your head? Is it an action? Ooh, I mean, it gets harder when I apply it to myself. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like to apply this consideration to other people. <laughs> I can apply yeah. this globally. It's a lot easier. Megan, you is Megan really? Yeah. yeah, Megan. Megan. Yeah. Megan. Yeah. Megan could tell you in like five seconds all the things I need to stop. Um, okay, personally, what do I need to stop? Um, I project into the future a lot. I'm like mm. a, a futurist for sure. Mm. I'm always thinking three steps ahead instead of what what where is my foot going to land in this next step mm. um so what would it give you back if you stopped that for a moment like more presence uh, and, that, dude? you nailed it you know conversations with my family and my friends mm. I, i'm like always looking at problems and looking for solutions and just and that's super funny because sometimes when we're looking for problems, we make a problem of something that doesn't even Absolute, exist. Absolutely. And problems are subjective. Yeah, you know? exactly. Maybe yeah. they're just my problems. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, stop and be here. Be present. That's be a good present. option. Yeah. And I'd say, like, going circling back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, um, maybe stopping and allowing for space before we respond or maybe... Mm-hmm. Stopping and not responding. That's um, because.
because we don't need to have an opinion or be an expert on everything. We can allow the experts to be experts and mm-hmm. allow <coughs> space for us to learn from others mm-hmm. rather than having having to have opinion all the time. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. Dinner. Yeah. So mine is okay. Enough fucking reflection. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the sub on that? Assimilation and integration. Mm. So I love it. I'm just going to read the first little yeah. blurb because it's so good. On the path to self-awareness, the external reading, learning, and doing may be an important step. Seeking out inspiring, thought-provoking content or conversations is often the way you start to consider something different. Mm. The repeating of a quote or poem is not wisdom in and of itself. Mm. I think that's, I like that. Yeah. What does that mean for you? Where does that resonate for you? Or what does that mean for you right now in your life? Yeah, well, I think that I actually, I thought it in context of our conversation earlier. And it was that line, I I often use it as like knowing something like with knowledge isn't the same as like knowing it intimately, like knowing it, knowing it, Mm -hmm. right? And I said before uh, in other conversations, like sometimes the hardest journey is the 18th 18 inch journey from like the head to the heart. Mm -hmm. Right. And like knowing something versus actually like experiencing it and embodying it Mm -hmm. and living it. And that's where like the assimilation and integration piece Mm -hmm. comes in is like experience it, take it in, seek it out. Yes. But then like sit with it, go to the mat, right. Get on the inside of it and allow it to Mm -hmm. like get inside of you Mm -hmm. and then do it like start. Right. And start by just being, but being with that new information or whatever you've brought in and then allow that to like shape you. Yeah. But don't bet, don't be stuck at the like consuming. Yeah. Consuming, consuming, consuming. Like, cause that's good, but that's the starting point. That's not the, that's not the action. What's required. Nice. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Thank you. (laughs) What if it was easy? Balance resilience with flexibility. Are you making life harder than it has to be? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it it has been a product of things that I found difficult that are inherently hard over the last couple of years um and and it's time to allow myself to move Hmm. into ease and we sort of talked about this the other day um this idea of um I said to mom after the last couple of years and all that has occurred both in the world and in my own little tiny world um, that I haven't been playing to win. I've been playing not to lose. Mm. And when I mean play to win, I don't mean like a thing or something material or to take some trophy but to really output to create to express 
and to allow for something to become whatever it is that it's meant to be Mm -hmm. and um and in 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 playing not to lose whether it's your sanity or whatever (laughs) whatever it's um there's there is a restriction and a tension and then like a holding it together um that then becomes um in your mm-hmm. physiological, physiological self. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny, also, when you read that, thanks, Deb, I also thought about, you should give this to your strata. Because, <laughs> because it was, you know, that thing of, to me, the opposite of flexibility right now is, uh, like, our resistance. Mm-hmm. And there, and it's almost like that. I heard in that, we have to hold things to how they've always been, not a questioning or curiosity of where are things now. And the easy thing was to go, gosh, why wouldn't we want more plants here? Here's what's important. Can you just make sure that they don't go beyond here because that encroaches on the walkways? Um, But that rigidity, that non-flexibility is just not being able to ask the, hmm, kind of what might, why might this not make sense anymore? What, What was important about this? And does it have to be exactly the same anymore? Or is the important thing still important, but it be, can be done a different way now? So I, I read that in it. So I think that's what you should give to them. What if it were easy, you guys? Even just the word easy, I like right now. Right. And easy doesn't <laughs> mean it isn't doesn't take effort. Yes, yes. exactly. That's what, that is the so... hard is the suffering. You know, that's yes. the self-imposed the stuff. Suffering. The yes. suffering. So um, it's like it's like flow state. Yeah, it's a lot of work to get there, but once you're there, it's easy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, I thought it might be cool if I read this. Is that okay with everyone? Yeah. This is um, in in the considered book, but it's not mine. I wish it was. It's by Pixie Lighthorse, and it's from um, from Prayers of Honoring Voice, and this one's Honoring Grace. And I thought Grace came up a few times, so this was a good one. And and this is how this one goes: Honoring Grace. Thank you for this day of forgiving myself and others. It is in you that I find the simplicity in breaking ties with what I once held too tightly. You have whispered pardons for my mistakes. Now I'll gift others and myself the same. Thank you for providing me with countless examples of acquittal to follow throughout my life. You have shown me that life is much too short for clutching. For the words that have been said with the intent to harm me, let, them, let me leave them at the gate before walking through my door. For the words I have said that have injured, let me make amends as soon as possible. For the words I never said but needed to, let me say them now first to you for clarity and then those, those for who they were meant for. For the words that were never said to me but which needed to be said, let me say them to myself, bury my expectations of others and move forward. I say that over again because I liked it. For the words that were never said to me, but which needed to be said. Let me say them to myself, bury my expectations of others and move forward. For the times when I have judged, let me look in the mirror. For the times when I have felt judged, release my impulse to be a victim. For the times when I have made a critical error, let me correct my course. For the times when I have efforted to no avail, let me keep trying. In response to shame, let me unhinge the habit by not shaming in return. In response to guilt, let me acknowledge the poor choice and make it right. 
in response to fragmentation, help me retrieve my lost parts, integrate and reassemble. In response to violations of my boundaries, let me put more effective ones in place and blame no one for coming through the holes in my fences. Thank you for the ability to come from integrity as my spirit dictates to be the house of sanctuary. Thank you for helping me know where I stand and helping others know what they can expect from me. Like that one. Ooh. Love that one. That's really yeah. good. Going to be reading that one again later. Honestly. Yeah. There, I mean, talk about every sentence in that, in that poem, you know? That's the beauty of poetry. Like it's it just poetry. gives us so much. I said it's like love songs. They don't mean anything one day and the next day they mean something. And then the next day they mean something different. And when you're in that space, they're only written for you. Yes. Like you're like, yeah. this was just for me. It can yeah. mean everything. It's cracks. Yeah. I think yeah. this is a good one to consider over the weeks ahead here in our community. Yes. It's grace, 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 mm-hmm. grace. Yes, you know? indeed. Yeah. Give ourselves grace. Give, give our communities grace. grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, give others grace. Bury yeah. my expectations of others. Yeah. 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 Say the words to myself. Mm-hmm. No, don't look for external validation. I can be the validation mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. Release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys. I love it. Is that a good place to land? I think so. Oh, I mean, we do have to ask Devin. Sure. We, closing. Ask we can, we can skip, we can skip our, <laughs> our, our random <laughs> fire today. Sounds good. I actually have one just very small question before we, before we do our closing <laughs> question and just for because it's come up with with you on a few podcasts i just wanted you to define so people know what emotional intelligence is oh okay yeah yeah just to clarify um, just to clarify i mean for me it's the intersection between heart and head okay it's where we are both in our intelligence but also in our heart um for me it's that space you know the space between stimulus and response thank you something that's attributed to Viktor Frankl, though not written by him, mm-hmm. is, you know, that space between, uh, you know, stimulus and response where we, we choose response instead of reaction. And, and we choose that with, you know, our growth and freedom. So it is the ability to understand how we show up and impact ourselves and others. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank so you for, for clarifying yeah. and sharing. Yeah. yeah. All right, Dina. Sweet. Let's put Devin on the hot seat to close okay. things out. <laughs> you look a little too excited about that. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, our, this is our, our closer question. We ask it to all our guests. Um, Zach and I, in in wanting to have a podcast, part of it was, I mean, just the ec- excuse to have amazing conversations with wonderful people. Mm. So that was just like the self, self-centered self box that we needed to check. But also, also, and more importantly, we were like, what can we do that creates positive a positive trail or positive impact in the world and then out of that came the name a little more good mm-hmm. which um zach said while we were out on a run and right away it just resonated and we're like yes this is it this is what we want to be what we want to do what we want to see in the world so we'd love to ask our guests like what does that phrase mean to you mm-hmm. a little more good mm-hmm. The phrase a little more good is something so beautiful because it is an opportunity for us in every moment. It's not it's not grand or verbose or a milestone. It's just a little bit at a time 
each moment, every minute of every day available to us whenever we choose. Hmm. Love that. Yes. Yes. Thank Thank you, Devin. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I just want to have deep um, appreciation. It's always a privilege to share this space with you. And um, I always leave feeling pretty darn good. And uh, Dev, any Ooh. moment I get to spend with I you know, I is feel emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm gonna. Yeah, I think Zach nailed it. You are one of the bravest people I know. Yeah, so sweet. Yeah, love you. I love you. I love iPoding with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> iPod. Um, what's it what's called? What's our iPod oh, podcast. with Zach? Today? Podcasting on the iTunes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Till next time, guys. Yes, till next, next time. time. Yeah, Big love. Thank, thank you. Thanks. All right, Dean. What do you think? So good, so good. I love that uh, the connection, the moments of you know mother daughter kind of playing off back and forth, even like the intergenerational grandmother and. Ah, it's just so cool. And then, of course, all of their wisdom and acumen when it comes to just taking people to the next level and asking really, really thoughtful, inspiring questions. So good. Yeah, they always know how to cut right to the the question that matters most. And that's a beautiful skill that both Judy and Devin have. Yeah, and cool to see them, like, interact in this way, you know, kind of more of an intentional, like, reflective process where, you know... I think they have great conversations, obviously, based on who they are, but it felt kind of cool to facilitate a moment where they could just like reflect and speak to and with each other in, in this format. So very cool to be able to capture that and provide that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you did, uh, you know, we're always grateful for, for any shares, whether that's on the old Instagram, Facebook, the old text message, BlackBerry. What do you do on BlackBerry? I, still have blackberries. I don't know. Yeah. Bake it in a pie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ICQ, MSN, AOL, whatever, whatever you use to communicate. You know, we appreciate all the shares and likes and reviews. They go a long way in helping us, uh, you know, share the good message just a little further. Yeah. So appreciate you all for listening and getting to this point and uh, stay tuned for more goodness coming right. at you next week. All right. Peace. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.